This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, so, I hear somebody's mic open. GCN, uh, your mic may be open. That's what it sounded like there. I think it's Get off now. there! Uh, so, thank you for that. 800-259-9231. We'll start things out here tonight. Of course, your calls are the primary element if you make them. I have uh, been digging through some, some old emails trying to get caught up to at least within the last month and a half or two months of emails. And I found one of them that is just absolutely stunningly great and something I had to share. Now, on this program uh, in the past, we've talked a number of times about school and how it is that I don't think anybody sitting here in this studio is in favor of the government-run school system. I'm in favor of kids learning uh, you know, arithmetic and, and all those other good things that one needs to learn in school. I'm just of the opinion that the government school is probably the most efficient way that we have in the United States of, of getting that information the to them. Deficient? The most efficient way? Is that what I said? It sounded like efficient, but I wanted inefficient. to make... Inefficient. Inefficient. Yeah. Got it. Uh, yeah, the government has uh, been doing an awful job at educating America's uh, children, and it's been getting worse ever since the federal government decided to get involved. It was bad enough, you know, when the feds got in, and, uh, you know, always bureaucrats have a lack of incentive. Bureaucrats, even though some of them do care, some of the teachers really do care in the government system, they just don't have the same incentives that somebody in a private system would, would have to actually perform or to encourage the kids in the class to uh, to perform. Not it's to mention that, but everybody that they're working with is incentivized in that same direction, and it's very difficult for a uh, a teacher to <laughs> really excel when when what they're uh, taught what the, what they're required to do basically is to teach to a bunch of tests. But sometimes, Mark, when we talk about the idea of getting the government out of education and marketizing education and allowing competition, uh, you know, and the free marketplace uh, to actually handle the product or the service. Of, educate, of educating people, sometimes you'll kind of backtrack a little bit and you'll, you'll throw the status a bone and you'll say, well, you know, if the government just handled poor people's education, it wouldn't be a problem. And you'll point out that it's really welfare well, for the middle class and da-da-da-da-da. And uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, not trying to do that. What I'm saying is, is that they make an argument that if we were to get rid of uh, you know government school in general what about the poor people right. the poor people wouldn't get educated and what we have today is not a system that is intended to educate poor people but you the kind system, of advocate one you you kind of if that, kind of okay if that is that. what you want then that's a welfare issue and you would need to create a welfare system to make it so that poor kids got educated Are instead you of creating you support this, that I, I support anything that's a downsize of what we have today but would you would you in a long term? I do not advocate uh, okay. government being involved in education at all. Okay. However, I will take anything that's a step down from the the spending and the atrocious educational system that we have today. Now I see that currently turns people out. Uh, you know, by their own numbers, twenty percent of which are uh, functionally illiterate I, I uh, upon graduation. Okay, I see what you're saying. Graduation, that, not just dropout rate. Right, that you weren't necessarily advocating it. But at the same time, it sounded to me like appeasement whenever you would you would talk about it. I'm willing it. to appease them. So, well, but I'm, here's, I, I'm going to give you some information here that may shock you. Okay. And uh, it should be good, in, good, good info that you can use as ammunition the next time somebody brings up the what about the poor excuse. Because my typical response to that would have been, well, 
allow charities to handle this. I mean, the the churches, uh, Catholic churches. That just doesn't doesn't cut it for um, the the people that want to see you know poor because as far as they're concerned, poor people are entitled. And charity sounds like you have to ask, and that's kind of the way they see it. Okay, I, I don't really care how they see it, yeah, but, th- but to deny that the charities would be able to help the poor is kind of silly. But this article it from is. Financial Times goes even further than that. It's from uh, Tim Hartford. He says, imagine that your daily earnings were less than the price of this newspaper. Would you consider buying private education and private health care? Before you make up your mind, here are a few considerations. Government health care and primary education are free. The private sector doctors are ignorant quacks and the teachers are poorly qualified. The private schools are cramped and often illegal. It doesn't sound like a tough decision. Remember, this is uh, from the Financial Times, which is an international newspaper. Uh, yet sm- millions of very poor people around the world are taking the private sector option. And when you look a little closer at the choice, it's not hard to see why. Take the doctors, and we're going to start with healthcare and then move to education. Take the doctors of Delhi, who were carefully studied by World Bank researchers. The uh, the doctors are busy people. The average household visits a doctor every two weeks, and the poor are particularly likely to visit. And surprisingly, three-quarters of those visits are private practitioners, despite the fact that public sector doctors are better qualified. Why is this? Why would these poor people be going and paying money to a private practitioner that supposedly is less qualified? Well, the uh, researchers tested the competence and the practices of the sample of doctors by of a sample of doctors by sending observers to sit in on their surgeries. They discovered that the underqualified private sector doctors, although they know less, provide better care on average than their better qualified counterparts in the public sector. Hmm. This isn't particularly mysterious because private sector doctors don't get paid unless they can convince their patients that they're doing a decent job. Public sector doctors, on the other hand, draw salaries, and if they're held accountable at all, it's through indirect channels. Now, there's a similar story to be told about education. So there, there you go. There's a little bit of information there on uh, how it is that even poor people realize that they're getting better care from the, the people in the marketplace. And these are people making less than a dollar a day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're talking about other other places around the, the world here. There's a similar story to be told about education, and it is well told in a new book, The Beautiful Tree, by James Tooley. A professor of education at the University of Newcastle, Tooley first encountered private schooling for the poor while exploring the slums of, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Hyderabad, again in India. This is where we're talking about here, India. Uh, it took a little more than Tooley's curiosity to unearth a network of 500 private schools typically charging less than $3 a month and providing an education of sorts to thousands of children from very poor families. Many of the poorest children were on scholarships, educated for free by school owners with an eye on their standing in the local community. Let me run that by you one more time. $3 a month to educate kids in India, well, clearly that couldn't be uh, replicated here in the United States. I mean, you know that that the, rate. the amount of money would not be able to be replicated. But it's not to say that the models couldn't be replicated. It's or a that cash. Sort of, it's a cash model too. Right. That some sort of low low cost education model couldn't be replicated here. Sure. Absolutely. Well, we do that now. It's called homeschooling. Sure. There's that. Um. And and I don't know how many people are in these these classrooms that they're that they're looking at. But nonetheless, they're they're getting educated. And the people that are running these schools are in many cases educating these uh, some of the kids for free because they can, because they can afford it, and they want to look good. Right. The same way that Walmart brings uh, hurricane supplies to people that, are, uh, that have, been, have their towns devastated. You know, it's, it seems 
strange to me, and I'm not advocating for uneducated people educating uh, k- kids, but one one thing you've got to wonder is when you're talking about um, you know somebody who is educating somebody who's under the age of you know under the sixth grade. I mean, don't you feel? Everybody in this room, don't you feel like you're qualified from a knowledge standpoint, not perhaps not from a motivation standpoint, to educate people who are, un, uh, you know, sixth grade and under I in so. everything that they do? Sure. I mean, I think I can handle, by and large, the parts of speech that they take care that they talk about. You, you know, might the, have to brush up a little bit. Multiplication but... tables. They're not even doing algebra by, right. and, uh, you know, right. in the sixth grade. Well, by and large. You're right. And if you go to a teacher's college, they're not going through every textbook that you're going to be going over with the kids when you become a teacher. You have to go through them yourself and learn it and then be able to teach it so you're learning how to learn things to pass them on to other people so you can you can pick up a second grade math book or a reading book and you can teach pretty quickly if you have a high school education i live in a town where we have a teacher's college and from the looks of it the the the, 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 te- the future teachers here of at least new hampshire are studying to be alcoholics yeah. i mean that's what i see is i see non-stop partying from uh, you know yeah. thursday night it really kicks off and then uh, you know goes on through sunday night yeah you know they they say that the school is 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 pretty plush and it's pretty easy to get through and and then the union wants more and more salaries so they can pay off their student loans but there's more to this story about these poor kids that are actually many cases paying some of them are getting a free ride from the uh, the schools but more about why they've chosen to pay for education as opposed to go to whatever crap can options are available from the government schools why Explain in moments. You can take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. That is the number. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We invite you to take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. Again, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We have a lot of features there, and we give them away to you. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is free at freetalklive.com. And Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose in every genre. Audible has it covered. Get your free audiobook download when you sign up today at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That again is audiblepodcast.com slash FTL for your free audiobook. As we continue here, uh, we're going to get to your calls here shortly. Just want to tell you the rest of this story, which I just found absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's out of India. Stories out of India. The Financial Times, which I believe is a British newspaper, FT.com. Mm-hmm. They're reporting on how it is that it's a shock, apparently, to p- certain intellectual types uh, that poor people in India are choosing to pay for health care and choosing to pay to send their kids to school. When they could be utilizing the tax-funded services that the government is offering for supposedly free. Of course, we all know taxes are, are paying for it. But they, to these poor people, it's, it's free because they aren't really paying taxes because they're so darn poor. So why are these people that are making less than the price of a newspaper every single day sending their kids to non-governmental schools? Why are they sending their kids to private schools? Why are, they sending, uh, why are their families going to 
non-governmental doctors. Because you're talking about the two most valuable things in a person's life. And when you get you, you get a little older, um, <clears throat> you begin to realize how important health is. And all you have to do is have a child to realize how important it is to you. I mean, suddenly it is the, the everything changes once uh, once the, the child enters the picture. So these are the two most valuable things to somebody, mm-hmm. and they're not willing to to take second best um, if they or at least they'll, they'll go for the best that they can get. Well, and but as they point out here, and it's very interesting that the the article claims that it, hey everybody knows these government doctors are the best qualified, but it turns out that when you actually compare the performance of these supposedly best qualified doctors to the not-so-qualified private doctors, the best qualified government doctors versus not-so-qualified private doctors, uh, the private doctors are giving better care because they have the incentive to do so. They're not just collecting some sweet government salary regardless of whatever uh, because government bureaucrats, they are not connected to the marketplace. They aren't connected to market signals. It doesn't matter to a government bureaucrat whether you live or die. I mean, they may actually care, but uh, in the wash, in the whole grand scheme of things, it will have no effect on their uh, their ability to earn an income if they botch up a few jobs. It just doesn't matter if they don't pay you the amount of attention that you need, if they misdiagnose you. Th- these things are just not that relevant to them. They they don't have to be concerned with your satisfaction level. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 hard to to actually say that they don't care because so many of them do care. It's just that they're not incentivized in the same manner. They don't care like their competitors in the private market. Yeah, it's the system itself that's the problem. It's not yes them because you I've seen organizations, companies even where they were lethargic, they didn't do well, they didn't innovate and all of a sudden you get a new leader in there, a new CEO and all of a sudden they become a totally different company with a lot of the same people and it just has to do with management and, and the system uh, that that it runs under. And this system, the government system is just disconnected from uh from any market signals so they don't know what their customers think and if they know what their customers think, they don't care because they'll get paid regardless That's of right. what That's right. Shut up and get think. back in line. It's the same thing is going on here in uh, in Keene, New Hampshire, where I am just sick and tired of the service level from the government around here. They're locking my friends up in prison cells, and I'm forced to pay for it, and they know it. The city manager said to me that uh, you know that he basically admitted that they'll steal my house if uh, if I don't pay uh, property taxes. So it doesn't matter how dissatisfied I am. All I can do about it is complain, and they don't care about that. Or move. Or move to some other, bureau, uh, you know, some other bureaucratically run place, which won't be any better. The same crap goes on everywhere because all of these government bureaucrats are totally isolated from their actions. So let me continue the story here. They're talking about how in the the school situation, these poor people, they're um, in Hyderabad in India. Uh, the researchers took a look and found over 500 private schools, typically charging less than three dollars a month. In many cases, these very poor families are getting uh, free scholarships from the schools because the owners are wealthy enough to uh, to provide that, and they want to look good to the community. It, they want to be seen as uh, benefactors to the community, and so they're just giving people free education. And by sure. the way, by the way, there's a lot of scientists and engineers coming out of India now too. It isn't so because of the true. public school system. Yep, and somebody doesn't open a school in order to get rich. Somebody opens opens a school because they care about educating kids. That's, now, they certainly um, right, need the profit motive, but whatever. That's what every teacher I've ever talked to is is most concerned about is, is their kids. Uh, Thule's since gone on to catalog cheap private schools for the poor across the world and has also tested their quality. And guess what? His research team discovered more committed teachers and better provision of facilities such as toilets, drinking water, desks, libraries, and electric fans. 
most importantly of all, the children were learning more at the private schools. And I'll bet, you know, I'll bet the children sat on the floor and ate their lunch, too, there. And they, 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 they didn't demand do. a new cafeteria. You know, um, I went to a Christian, you know, private school, and the there <laughs> there wasn't a janitor to clean the the classrooms. The teachers cleaned the classrooms. They cleaned their own classrooms. Mm. If you'd uh, they, 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 there'd be a union uh, representative there the next day if uh, <laughs> if the administration told a public school teacher to do that. That's real work. But if, but if we leave it up to the marketplace, those greedy people will will uh, will mis misuse uh, people. But what what makes you think that the bureaucrats aren't greedy too? It's hard to be sure quite how widespread these cheap private schools are, but Thule and his colleagues have found them in West Africa, East Africa, China, and India. In the areas Thule's studied, private schools are educating at least as many children as the government-run schools, and sometimes up to three times as many. And they're having to pay for it when they have mm-hmm. the free option available. Again, the outperformance of the private schools, in spite of low budgets and teachers with sometimes doubtful qualifications, is not a surprise when one looks at the weakness of state-run schools in some developing countries. They're weak everywhere. I'd like to let you know that. Uh, Tuli toured Lagos in Nigeria with a BBC film crew and found teachers sleeping in lessons in the public schools, even though the film crew had given notice of their visit. The lesson here is that a little accountability goes a long way, and fee-paying customers are in an excellent position to hold schools and clinics to account. By all means, let's work out how to make government facilities more accountable. Oh, I disagree with that part. <laughs> That's what the uh, the article writer has to say. You can't make government schools more accountable. Right. They've been saying that dumb crap for a very long time. I think it's time to give up trying to make government. I know how to make government schools more accountable. Sell them. Then yeah. suddenly the people that buy them are going to make them very accountable to the people that uh, you know that send their kids there. You know what's really funny though too is that the people who are always pro public school are always the ones also who will say we need to have a separation of church and state. Now then you ask them why. So if you were one of those people, why would you say we need a separation of church and state? I just think we need to end the state. <laughs> okay. We don't need uh, because you don't want people who believe fervently in a religion to get a control of the government apparatus. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you, you go to church. How often if if you go to church? Weekly? Once a week? Yeah. And how often do you go to school? Daily. Yeah. So that's a good argument for a separation of school and state, wouldn't you say? I think so. I, yeah, they're going to say that... Uh, the state is know. a religion. Yeah. Right. Yeah, That's exactly. what I think, but they're not going to agree. Oh, and then he wraps up the article by saying we should also investigate how low-cost private services could be nurtured. Here's an idea. End government schools. That's all you need to do. There's no nurturing that's necessary. The marketplace will handle itself as it is doing, even in the presence of these awful government schools. And about 75% of your property taxes are going to school taxes now. That's what it is around here. Uh, for me, it's 60, but hey, who's counting? More coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial in toll-free. The SACL CAI toll-free line 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 800-259-9231. RepublicMagazine.tv. Are you missing out on the real news? Get informed and stay informed with Republic Magazine. 
Get your free digital copy now or order a print subscription at republicmagazine.tv. That's republicmagazine.tv. All right. We continue here. Take your phone calls about whatever you want. Dave is on the line in Michigan. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, Well, uh, you heard the thing about you and the city manager, and uh, I think that the the key to to solving that problem, other than abolishing the state, is to also get something like New Hampshire, you know, to assert its sovereignty and and even possibly someday secede. I, I, I think you agree with me on that, at least, Ian. Oh, I do too. I, I think it'd be fine if uh, some state government people wanted to secede from the United States. Is that what you're talking about, or are you talking about secede the city of Keene from from the United States and the state of New Hampshire? Well, either or, really. Uh, but um, well, I also support I think, personal like, secession. I support any level of secession <laughs> at, at any possible level. If someone can possibly uh, get away with seceding, I think it's a, a fine idea. Or maybe to to put it more positively, declaring one's independence. Okay. Well, um, this is directed, I think, more towards uh, Mark and uh, uh, Guard. I think that, that that's 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 Wayne is uh, right. is on the show tonight. Guard is not Wayne? here. Okay. Yes. Sorry, it sounded familiar on the phone. That's all. Um, I, when it comes to like the sovereignty movement in the United States, isn't it? I think it's based mostly around the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think one of the the key parts they're missing is actually the Seventeenth Amendment because that made it so the states. State governments no longer elected the senators as a, as their representatives. Mm-hmm. The, the senators were then elected by the uh, people, and what this in essence did was it took the representation away from the states. It kind of it cut up the federalist design and, and the republic design, and it made it so that the the senators were no more than than uh, congressmen who were, who are easily swayed by the populace. Well, didn't the states thirty um, three quarters of them agree to it? It's an amendment, so I assume they agreed to it. But that that still means that. It's still the idea that it's it's kind of similar to like a millage where 51% can steal from the 49. Just because two thirds of the states agreed doesn't there must have been states that didn't. Three quarters, I believe. Well, two thirds, three quarters, whatever it may have been. Mm-hmm. But the the fact of the matter is, you could use you could possibly use the 17th Amendment also as a as a justification for a state uh, like uh, ignoring NAFTA or CAFTA or deciding to make. Uh, some law that disagrees with whatever the federal government says, because the the states could make the argument that we're no longer represented in Washington. Therefore, it's in essence, in a way, it's like taxation with representation. Well, whatever federal laws are applied to us, don't they? They're not legitimate. The problem, the pro- I, I I see where you're coming from, but I think that the problem with that is is that the Ninth and Tenth Amendments give states the powers of of sovereignty, whereas or but they retain the sovereignty that they would have had or whatever, um, however you want to phrase that. However, the Seventeenth Amendment, which I can only assume was legitimately passed, and even if it wasn't, it's too late now to do anything about it. So let's call it a legitimate amendment to a you know document that some would call illegitimate. So you know, there's no uh, they, they don't have the standing of in law the, in the same way. Do you understand? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, you have to realize that that the the courts, if you, if you want to look at it that way, in standing of law. The courts are really no place to seek justice anymore. Mm, that's true. So, mm-hmm. so if you were to say, well, that has no standing in law, well, who, who defines that? The courts do. And if you realize that the courts are illegitimate, then the state just has to go, we're going to do this despite what the courts say because the courts are in the hands of the federal government and the federal government's never going to agree with us. So what's the next step? Uh, what do you mean? 
But where, where do we go? Where do I go from here? I agree completely with everything that you say. How do I go about getting my state to secede or declare independence or, um, you know, let the legislators in the, the state know that because, uh, the senators and the United States government are elected rather than appointed that, uh, we are not properly being, uh, uh, represented and, and, and let's just get on out of this United States of America. How do I do that? So you're talking about implementation? That, that would be an important part of any plan, would it not? Sure. I would say it's uh, essentially what, somewhat what you guys are doing there in New Hampshire. It's kind of a two-pronged uh, attack. You kind of go from the outside, you educate, and you inform people. And then they also have to have people that are getting inside of the, the system, you know, becoming state legislators and senators and possibly higher in office. To, so when are you moving? To be there to facilitate that. I'm sorry? So when are you moving to New Hampshire? Uh, I don't know. You know, to be honest, I might move to New Hampshire in the next few years. I've You're going to have a heck of a lot it. better time doing uh, what you intend to do in New Hampshire in Michigan? Than, than to doing it any place oh, else. Things are pretty dire here in Michigan, I'll, I'll be frank, yeah, but there's actually a growing um, liberty movement here in Michigan. There's a growing liberty movement everywhere in the United States, no doubt about it. However, what you have there are liberty noobs, and the liberty noobs don't know what to do, and the, 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 you know, the practiced activists are, are actually being congregated. At least there's a larger percentage of them in, in New Hampshire currently than there are any place else. You may have more centralization because New, New Hampshire is a much smaller state. Uh, Michigan is, very, is is quite large, and we have we have a quite we have a lot of liberty activists. Is that we're such a large state, we're spread out, and it's mm-hmm. hard to really centralize in one area of, of the state. But I, I I agree with you. The tough part is implementation, but I think that's really the the, the key argument when it comes to uh, if you were to try to justify it legally, just to to try to set the courts aside, you would say the you know ninth, tenth, and seventeenth amendments, because otherwise I don't know how you would do it. You just have to secede and then hope that things go well, I suppose. Well, I, I, I'm not against secession. However, I think that we're probably a, a first uh, better step is probably just cl- claiming sovereignty and uh, telling the federal government, you know, we don't, need, we don't need all that extra stuff that you're offering. Thanks very much. But um, just to show... Well, does that also mean you'll also tell them we're not going to send you anything either? I'm for, I'm for that. I'm for anything That's that cuts ties right. between the, uh, the, the state of New Hampshire and any other state and the federal government. I'm for any of that. However, what I'd like to point out is that uh, if, if you think that your liberty movement in uh, Michigan is going well and you've got a lot of them on board and all that, I have to ask is, comparatively to New Hampshire, do you have an organization called, you know, like the Michigan Liberty Alliance, and does that organization give out a sheet to all of your legislators telling them how to vote on pro-liberty issues, issue them a letter grade at the end of the into the year, review every single bill that comes before those legislators, and have 23, or I guess the percentage there would be um, more like, let's see, a quarter and a, more like a six or seven or eight percent of your legislators that get an A-plus rating from that organization. Uh, currently, we don't have something like that, right. but the thing is, you have to realize that you guys are kind of ahead of the curve. You're the, you're the spear point when it comes to this. And that not not everyone, most people actually can't move to New Hampshire, so they have to do what they can where they're at. Sure. So, um, we're, we're, but the 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 point is, we're building, and that 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 we're, we're moving to that. You right. guys are just ahead of the curve. You got you got time ahead of us, and you've been doing this. What so. I was hearing you say was, we have just as many liberty activists as you do. We just have a lot more area to cover. And I'm and I'm I'm going to call bunk on a statement like that because. I believe that the be- very best liberty activists and most active liberty activists are here in New Hampshire, and I don't believe that there's another state anywhere that does what our activists have done um, in the, what I just pointed well, out. Well, I, 
think he's I think he's he's admitted that that much okay. that uh, we're at the spearhead, and I appreciate. Well, he has the, now. I mean, I'm, right, just, I'm, right. just, I'm getting more clear as to what he was saying. Dave, what I, I was hearing was I, we've got just as many activists. We have just have a lot more area to cover. Dave, I appreciate your optimism. How long have you been active within the uh, the liberty movement? Uh, I've I've been active in the liberty movement for uh, three or four years. And now. so, what sort of stuff are you doing up there? Uh, well, currently, uh, well, I, I'm in uh, Washtenaw County. It's around the Ann Arbor area. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's near the more, more populated area. We, we're actually, we do a lot of uh, local things. We're, we're Right now, we're opposing a big millage that's coming around here. It's $30 million, and, you know, people in this area can't afford it. They'll be forced out of their homes. And we're, uh, many of us are, are organizing, going through neighborhoods, getting people to vote no against that. I know, Ian, you're not in, in, uh, necessarily... Uh, for the system and voting. I know you I will. For that. But, you know, I was for just it, out walking, uh, distributing flyers for a political candidate today, as a matter of fact. Well, okay. I'm wrong. He you're, just, you're right. He just sounds so crabby about it when you bring it up. Oh, I hate it. It's yeah. the worst return on investment you can get, in my opinion. I, but I, that doesn't mean I'm not going to buy some radio ads for the guy that's uh, that's running for... Uh, I mean, right. I'll, I'll play the, their silly little game. Thank you for, uh, for the call tonight. Good luck out there. 800-259-9231 if you... Uh, come to the conclusion that there really isn't much progress being made there in Michigan, despite all of the supposed growth, maybe you should take a look at New Hampshire. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. I love the British Sovereign. It's about a quarter ounce, which is usable for a gold coin. They tend to be older and thus are numismatic and untracked by the government. They have the 100-year-old wow factor for the layman and are easily storable for emergencies. You can get them for only $288. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold. FreeTalkLive.com. The shipping is the same as it is for one coin as it is for 20. So try to get as many as you can at once. 877-857-9938. Gold.FreeTalkLive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site, and we ask for your voluntary support. Please vote for us. It's a once-a-month voting thing that we ask you to do. You just go to vote.freetalklive.com. It'll take you just a moment of your time. All you need is your email address to verify that you're not a robot and indeed a real living, breathing uh, human being, uh, head over to vote.freetalklive.com and cast your vote for the show. Where Last time I looked, we were still in first place, but we need to solidify our lead. And that, and for that, we need you. If you've yet to vote in this month of October, please go to vote.freetalklive.com. Makes a, a very, big difference. A very big and very popular podcast is right on our heels, and our lead has shrank since earlier today. Very good. Uh, Vote.freetalklive.com. So let's continue and take your phone calls here and go to Mike in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Mike? Okay, I I just wanted to make a quick comment on the uh, marijuana protest that you guys were talking about the other day. Uh, Yes, sir. And I had a police story for you. Okay, sure. Uh, As far as the, the, I think Mark's argument was... um, well, one of the things that he was saying, and I kind of agreed with him at first, uh, is that it just it disturbs people. There's children around, 
you know, it's, right. You're it's, talking uh, about the smoking of cannabis at a, a public pumpkin fest event that happened over the weekend where three cannabis uh, smokers were arrested in a major crackdown uh, by the, the local police forces. You're, you're saying you agreed with Mark. I, I, I did at first. I, yeah. And I kind of I understand what he's saying completely because I felt the same way when I first heard about it. But mm -hmm. then I got to thinking about you know, just the way society works and how things change over time. And it always seems like, okay, take, for instance, like the show, TV show Bonanza, back way in the, you know, early 70s or whenever that was. Before my time. If you were, You're going to be wrapping I'm this sorry. around pretty long, pretty long ways, okay? Go with your Bonanza well, example. Like, okay, on one of those older shows like uh, Andy Griffith or whatever, if you were to say the word crap, on one of those TV shows. It might be a big deal. Been, huh? It oh, might have been yeah. a big deal, yeah. It would have been hell to pay. Oh, yeah. There would have been hell to pay, you know. You can, you know, none of, none of them did it. But now, you know, you turn like CSI, they're using words worse than that. Yeah, you know? that's true. And it's, it, and it's socially acceptable. And I think the same thing, the more people see of something, the less uh, shocking it is. Well, if you so have people who are not obviously derelict, losers, uh, dangerous, scary, evil-looking people out smoking cannabis, then it makes it difficult for people to continue this, uh, this mindset that, uh, that all cannabis users are a bunch of jackasses or a bunch of idiots. Uh, you know, there may be some dumb people that smoke cannabis. Uh, that's certainly the truth. Uh, but there are some dumb people that do a lot of uh, different things out there. And there are also some very, very intelligent people that consume cannabis, just like there are dumb people that drink alcohol and some very intelligent people that, uh, that drink alcohol. So I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think the idea of getting people who are regular folk out in front of other regular folk and showing them that this is not as dangerous as the government says, that, they, that these aren't uh, outcasts necessarily from, uh, from society. And I, I wish the crowd was a little more well-rounded, honestly, so we could show this uh, to them, Dave, or, or Mike, because uh, I, I wish it was a more well-rounded crowd. I wish we had people in business suits and things like that out there, but I understand that, th that it has to start somewhere, and this is, this is right. where it started. So, Dave, um, excuse right. me, Mike, is, is, there, is, is there an act of civil disobedience that is just so outrageous that it is unacceptable? I mean, is, is, is there something out there that uh, somebody might do for liberty that is just too far beyond the pale for you to accept? I think the line I would draw is, if, is it pointless or does it have a point? Does it have a, a core reason for it? Like if I went out and I'm in Decatur, Illinois, and just decided to walk in front of the courthouse, drop my drawers, squat down, and take a dump right out in the <laughs> middle of the street in front of a bunch of people. It's public property. You paid for it, right? Right, but, yeah. you know, there's no point to it. There's absolutely no point to that. Well, you, you, know? you would be point, making that's... the point that it's public property and you should be able to do what you want on it. I, <laughs> right. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I understand that talking... you're trying to come up with an example. However, there are activists that would say that there is a point to that activism. I kind of like the idea of taking a dump on the courthouse steps. <laughs> see I mean, it seems see what I'm dealing with here, Mike? You see? <laughs> Well, I'm dealing with a man that has no boundaries. Okay, let me say <laughs> That's not this. True. Let me say this. I'll agree with Ian to the point that I don't think you should be arrested for it. But it it it's it's pointless. No, I, hold on. I, I, if you don't think that, don't think that somebody should be arrested, be wait a second, wait a second. If you don't think somebody's going to be arrested, what should they have to do? Clean it up? 
What if they don't want to yeah. clean it up? I How am I going to make them clean it up? Tell them to clean it up. Well, okay, you tell them to clean it up. What if Ian decides if he, he doesn't, doesn't want to clean it up? Well, then I'd leave it at that. Would you let I, him go? I, I would, uh, what about you know, the... I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to uh, uh, associate with that guy. I don't think. How do you feel about the girls going topless for liberty? I think that's fine. That's part of you know. That's part of your body. You're not doing anything. You know, taking a dump on the street. That's, I mean, that's part of your body scary, too. You know, it's until <laughs> yeah. you get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I, I'm actually I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I think that it would be inappropriate, and I think that you're right. That if 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 an act is beyond a certain pale of uh, as far as inappropriateness is concerned, then they're going to be having a tough time finding people to support them. Whoever those people are doing those uh, supposedly unpopular and, and inappropriate things. Clearly, smoking cannabis in public does not cross that line because there were plenty of people right. there supporting that effort. Uh, neither, you know, neither it, is a woman showing her boobies out in public. Exactly. That's fine exactly. because it's not hurting anybody at yeah. all. And, I mean, there's no absolutely no harm to it. It's just a bunch of Puritans who haven't you know, and that's along. where that's where I. But I'm wait. Like I I don't support. Um, well, I guess you're talking about the, uh, the the boobies thing. But I don't support this cannabis thing, and I don't consider myself to be a puritan. You're defending the puritans, though. The the excuse of it's the families is really a very kind of uh, no. I, I, uh, I don't think I'm not attitude. saying it's the families. What I'm saying is is that it's that's what bad PR. And oh, now you've changed your story. No, because... I'm not changing my story. It's it's all wrapped up in that because some people it's not necessarily the families as much as somehow some people feel about the families and all that other stuff. What you need to right, do is see, make... That's, what I, that's my whole point, Mark, is, is that right now it's bad PR. But if people keep doing it and it becomes more acceptable, it's no longer bad PR. And you have to start somewhere. And, and there's to the always point. going to be somebody who's claiming that this turned... Yeah, I was with you guys before you did this, and this turned me off. And then, of right. course, the people like you, Mark, that are always about, oh, we can't offend many people. Uh, you know, you're always worried about the PR. There were people that said that, oh, my God, if somebody goes topless, then it will be the end of the liberty movement. This is terrible PR. And yet right, the, the young lady went topless. She was re uh, arrested, released, and then the police admitted that they'd wrongfully arrested her. And everything's fine. And the liberty movement is still going strong. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you're offending something somebody because you're doing harm to them, that's one thing. It's another thing to offend somebody when they really have no reason to be offended, like a, a breast. Why is that? That should not. You're not harming anybody. You're not going to have. You're not going to be able to get me to argue about uh, the breast thing. But I, people said the same exact thing as you. You're going to turn people off. I disagree with those people. Can right. I not? My, my opinion is valid, and I do not support those liberty activists' um, actions. And right. All I'm they, telling you, so Mark, taken, is that you agree on the you agree on the breast issue. But you disagree on the the marijuana in a public event issue, and so you're just you're just picking a different issue as some of the other people. I pick. disagree on the we crapping somebody... in public public spaces, and you disagree on it too. Well, I was just kind of kidding about I mean, that. Yeah, I like I the mean, idea. But you do I like didn't it. say I would I... necessarily support somebody squatting. But wait a minute, and doing why it. wouldn't you support them? Right. It's their their property. They paid for it, right? I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Mark. That yeah, the, the, the smoking cannabis in public is going to offend a lot of people, and it gives you an uneasy feeling. Kind of, it, it kind of gave me an uneasy feeling when I first heard the story. I kind of cringed and went like, "Ooh, that's kind of you know a bunch of kids with Halloween costumes on carving pumpkins." You know, I'm thinking Charlie Brown's pumpkin patch, you know, family get together thing, <laughs> and then. 
you throw a bunch of pot smokers in it. And I kind of, that's, I kind of had the same reaction too. But then after I really thought about it, it's like, Hey, you know, there it's, it's, it should be looked at as the same thing as somebody drinking a can of beer or smoking a cigarette. Right. And I think you have a valid point that it may very well turn out that way. I don't know that I, I can't come up with my, in my mind, a historical example of where something like this has in fact backfired, but I'm sure that they are legion. Whatever you know, Mark. Whatever it doesn't matter. No, Ian doesn't, doesn't care about good sense or you know anything. Any this is like good this. sense. It's people doing what they think is right. They are standing up for freedom. They're acting like free people. That's that makes good sense to me. They're not concerning themselves with what the Puritans right. think and what the the repressive individuals out there believe. Thank you for the call and the thoughts tonight. I appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And there are as many people as you are, Mark, that were just convinced that the topless protest was terrible PR and that it was a bad idea. We even lost people from the movement over it, who were previously planning on moving here, they decided, oh, I can't be associated with this. Fine. We'll bring the people here who appreciate that kind of activism. At least that's what I'm intending. More coming up. Free Talk Live. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA, but you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAmail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAMail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit dnamail.com and join the evolution. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You can take control of the airwaves. We go to your phone calls about whatever you want. And we'll start things out with Chris in Vermont on the amp line. Hey, Chris, you're on the air on Free Talk Live. Hey, how's it going, hey. Ian, Wayne, and Mark? What's on your mind um, tonight, Chris? Well, I was calling to address um, Nick from Massachusetts' point last night about the recording. Actually, it was a question. Um, and he had asked that, uh, you know, how, how much an artist makes on an album sale in the marketplace um, versus yes. the recording company. Um, well, um, I, I've dabbled a little bit in music and... Uh, it depends on whether he's releasing the album independently, and he may make six to seven dollars per album that way. Or if he goes with a major label, it depends on the contract. But likely, he's only going to make maybe a dollar two at most per album. Mm-hmm. So if you want to support your artist, um, and it's an independent artist, you should buy the album. If you want to support a major artist on a major label you should probably go to the show because he's going to make more money off uh, that concert ticket than he is going to on the album. And uh, and buy a T-shirt while you're at the show. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I had a second point that I wanted to make real quick. It's kind sure. of exciting. Um, 
I am a member of the Free State Project, and we heard from the bank today. I have bought a home in Claremont, New Hampshire, which is in Sullivan County, about 40 miles north of Keene on Route 12. Mm -hmm. Um, And we will be closing November 13th. Congratulations. In the Free State, and uh, we're planning on starting up some Fiji outreach in Sullivan County to try to compete with you guys. Great news. That's Fully Informed Jury Association Outreach, where uh, people are, are one of the most frequent ways it's, it's, it's done, at least around here, and I recommend doing it anywhere. This is something that anybody anywhere can do, as long as they've got two or three or four at the most people uh, that are willing to help them, is to go outside the local courthouse on days in which they are selecting jurors and essentially hand out fully informed jury association association information to all of those potential jurors as they are coming in for their court date. Uh, And that will get them the information in their hands that will inform them of their rights as a juror, which they will not tell them in the courtroom. The judge will not tell you that you have the right as a juror to say not guilty if you think the law itself is bad, regardless of whatever evidence is presented, regardless of whether they caught the guy dealing drugs on camera, uh, you can say not guilty because the it's the it's a bad law. This is how um, many of the prohibition laws and the um, you know harboring slaves, uh, fugitive slave laws got overturned in this country. There's, it's mm-hmm. a long history, and the Fully Informed Jury Association is a great organization that's out there getting uh, the word out about that. Right. I was going to ask you, well, what made you choose Claremont and uh, Sullivan County? Um, I'm actually from the area. I was born at Valley Regional Hospital. Um, then I moved to Keene. I went to high school in Keene, and now I currently live in Vermont. I have a job here in Vermont, and it's actually I'll continue working here in Vermont until I find an out or possibly start my own business and then um, get rid of this silly state income tax we have over here. Cool. Well, congratulations yeah. on your decision, and always good to hear about more people making the move over here to uh, to New Hampshire. Point of information, though, we just got off the phone in the last hour for our listeners just tuning in. We are talking with a guy up in Michigan who was talking about how, you know, he'd consider moving to New Hampshire, but there's a movement there in Michigan, and it's growing. Would you say that the <laughs> liberty movement in Vermont was growing, and uh, if so, why did you decide to, to cross the border to New Hampshire? No, it's not growing at all. There's a socialist movement here. Um, You could do that if you wanted, I guess, but uh, not really that kind of guy. Um, I'm moving because you guys are over there partying on, and I'm going to come party with you, and we're going to stir up some dust and make things happen and do it quickly in our lifetime. I hope so. I, I, think I don't think that people have a, really a conception as to how much is going on here in New Hampshire. I don't even for, have a conception. For liberty versus where they are. <laughs> There's so much going on, I can't keep track of it all. There's, it's just impossible. Now, what part it's of awesome. What region of Vermont are you in? Because I know that northern Vermont seems to be more liberty-oriented. In fact, the gun laws in Vermont in, are actually more liberal than they are in New Hampshire. Yeah, it's awesome here. You can uh, just stick an assault rifle in your pants and walk around without asking anybody's permission. It's awesome. Yeah. But, you don't need a concealed um, carry permit there. Yeah, you don't need anything. The law is you can have guns and you can carry them any way you want. That's so, great. Yeah, that is cool. New Hampshire is a little bit more strict about it, but right. it's really not that bad compared to other areas of the country. Absolutely not. Um, New Hampshire is a, it's an open carry state, so you can carry a gun openly without begging permission from the state. 
the uh, the gun permits for concealed carry are supposedly shall issue. There's some questionable things about that in the process and their ability to withdraw the permit and things like that. That's the real problem here in New Hampshire. But maybe some of the yeah. you know the, maybe some of the you know the gun advocates out there, gun freedom advocates, will someday overturn that stuff here. But now you um, a question about uh, Vermont. You mentioned that the uh, socialist movement is big there, and it is. And how is it that the the socialists, you know, the 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 pinkos, see somebody with an assault rival and they don't just freak out is it because people in vermont don't do the things that they that it's legally allowed they're legally allowed to do or why is it that there hasn't been some kind of huge backlash over there i don't understand it i don't think socialists necessarily are anti-gun certainly not the ones around here um they just want to steal my money uh, and they could care less whether i have a gun when they do it because they know that the state has more guns than i do um, that's a good point and, and, and you know the kind of uh, the the kind of progressive or socialist that you find up here just tends to seems to be just more tolerant of that. I mean, you've got in New Hampshire, you've got Democrats that go to gun shoots and things like that. So yeah, absolutely. The way things are necessarily in New York are not necessarily translated here to uh, th- this region. Right. And I have one more point about asserting your sovereignty. Um, I took a page from the Wheels Off Liberty guys. Maybe if you guys uh, were out there smoking your weed without pants on, the cops would be uh, less harmful. I mean, they don't want to rub on your junk or nothing, you know? Yeah, they are likely very homophobic. I imagine a number of police are uh, are very homophobic. Well, they'll put the rubber gloves uh, on. Whipping out your junk any chance you get uh, seems like a, a bureaucrat deterrent. Speak for yourself. Oh, God. Uh, you're giving them, I- you're uh, giving you them ideas, Chris. You guys good without pants on. Oh, I could tell. Thanks, Chris, for the call, and congratulations on your decision, dude. I live in hell. (laughs) 800-259-9231. Let's go to Frank in New York. Frank, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, Frank. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hey. Yeah, I couldn't help but uh, chuckle when you were talking about the bared breasts for liberty. I was thinking of that famous painting by uh, DeCherico of the French Revolution, Liberty leading the people yes. mm-hmm. with one breast exposed and holding the tricolor and the musket. Uh, yeah, uh, very interesting. <laughs> or I should say the standard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now why is it that people are afraid of breasts? I, I mean, do not understand it. Because they excrete. I what? mean, in Europe, you know, bare breasts are seen, you know, on the beaches all the time. Yes. Right. So it's nothing inherent within people that they should be frightened of breasts. In fact, they should be fairly attracted to them, considering that most people uh, nursed on them as children. There's nothing inherently wrong or evil about a, a, about naked breasts. Uh, there's nothing also sexual about it. I know that some people would like you to believe that there uh, there is, but that's only in their minds. Uh, yeah, if you have, find something you have sexual, you made a fortune. Hmm? Sexualizing the bare breast mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about right. what sixty years ago. But I think presentation yeah. uh, matters there. You know, if uh, I think there's a, the difference might be in the way that the, those breasts are photographed and presented versus the way that they would be presented by someone who's simply walking down the street or going about their their normal business in a a non-sexualized fashion. Um, so I, I, I agree with you, Frank. It's just absolutely ludicrous, and it's some sort of just beaten in level of puritanism that is still just there with uh, with a lot of american people and it's so yeah. sad not me i used to get into my grandfather's playboy books when i was 5 years old well that sounds uh, sexualized to me 
So, Frank, other thoughts? Thanks for the well, call, listen, dude. I appreciate uh, it. We're out of time anyway for you. Thanks. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever you want. In fact, uh, Wayne, you're going to tell me about uh, a doctor that was targeted recently by whatever the enforcement government arm is that uh, doesn't like it when doctors step out of line. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. In an ancient time, in a land where the fates of mortals were determined by gods, only one man had the courage to defy them all. Fear nothing, and let's show death and the gods alike that we're the ones to be afraid of. Odysseus, the rebel, coming this October from Big Head Press. Pre-order the graphic novel for only $12.95. Visit ComicShopLocator.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other fine booksellers. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features include the Shrine of Female Listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo or video to show they are indeed listeners to Free Talk Live. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com to get involved if you are a lady listener or just enjoy the shrine. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Now is the time for you and your family to be armed and trained at levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides just such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course today, plus the included 30 state concealed weapons permit and a free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today for more information. That's FrontSight.com. And these really are the the, the premier certifications in the United States. Mm -hmm. We started the show out tonight talking about an article uh, from the, uh, the story from the Financial Times about how it is that in countries like India and China and also areas of Africa, they've been doing studies that have unearthed all kinds of private education. Uh, They found out that these very, very poor people are much more interested in paying money for education that is just a, a just so much better than what the government is offering for free that you know this kind of shocking idea that hey even poor people will send their kids to private school if given the opportunity and by the way it really isn't free well uh, right it's free it's free to it's those free people to the poor people yeah. uh because they're not paying taxes in in these cases but we also found out that they're actually sending uh, that there there are private doctors that are just they're well known as not being as supposedly experienced or qualified as the government's doctors are but nonetheless they're giving people better care because they have the incentives to do that they have to satisfy their customers to get referrals so they can get more customers so they can also have their customers coming back as well if they're satisfied they'll bring their you know their family members they'll bring their friends and they'll they'll come back for uh, for more of their services so the government system we've seen time after time it lacks these incentives it lacks the ability to uh, to care about satisfying customers uh, it doesn't pay attention to market signals like price and other things like that they, they just they don't care about those things they don't have to they they get paid regardless of whether they do a good job or not. And so we talked about that in, in detail. 
And I want to go now and focus on, I think the story you've got for us, Wayne, is from the United States this time. Yes, it is. We were looking at India, but now let's look at an example of how it is that innovation is being stepped on by the system that we have uh, right here. As somebody who's actually within the system, who's trying to innovate, somebody who is a doctor already right now today in the government, or not government system, because well, I guess it's partially a government system here in America, but in this mixed, messed up system that America has with all kinds of regulations left and right, lots of government control all over the place of the healthcare industry, the regulations are always sold as to being beneficial to the consumers, that's how they're positioned. That's how they're promoted. And people believe it because it's so effectively promoted that way. They believe that government rules and regulations are actually keeping them safe. When, as we pointed out last night on the show, and we didn't get into great detail, but we pointed out that regulations are actually beneficial to the existing players in the marketplace, that regulations aren't protecting people at all. Mm-hmm. They're actually uh, pumping up prices. They're actually making it so people that are, are wanting to, uh, to, to compete in the marketplace as new new players in the marketplace are prevented from doing so. And in this case, you're going to share with us one doctor who's already in the marketplace is just trying to you innovate. Know, innovate and change his business and set himself apart from the pack, and he's being prevented from That's doing right. so. What's happening? That's right. There's a story last from last March and April uh, about a doctor in New York State where the state was trying to shut down this New York City doctor's ambitious plan to treat uninsured patients for around $1,000 a year. Dr. John Muni was offering his patients everything from mammograms to mole removal at his AMG medical group clinics, which operate in all five boroughs. I'm trying to help uninsured people here, he said. His patients agreed to pay $79 a month for a year. Which return- is less than what I paid for, for insurance. For yeah. catastrophic insurance uh, coverage uh, you know, on a monthly basis. That's right. And this, and this was for unlimited wow. office visits with a $10 copay. It's a significantly less. I, I think I, I think my our, our premiums were like 140, mm. which still isn't that bad. But, but his plan landed him in the crosshairs of the state insurance department, which ordered him to drop his fixed rate plan, which he claims is equivalent to an insurance policy. So, there you go. I don't agree that it's equivalent to an insurance policy. Well, it's, it doesn't matter when the state comes after you. They, they it, it, it doesn't they, matter your interpretation. If, if they said that it was equivalent to a Volvo, it would cost you $100,000 or more. If you're a doctor, it would probably cost you a million to prove that, you're in, that, uh, that your monthly fee program was right. not, in fact, a Volvo. It, I mean, really, that's what it would be like. And talk about an industry that's in bed with the government, insurance. And, and there's, oh, yeah. here's a good example. They want to put this guy out of business because they're threatened by they're, they're him. Threatened. They're threatened. Their living is, is and their exorbitant profits are, are, are threatened by this. Well, right. It sounds to me like he's just on a prepayment plan to where uh, he's offering certain amount of services in return for a certain amount, and he's breaking it down into monthly payments. Would it have been all right for him to collect one thousand dollar payment? Probably not. They'd probably bitch at him for that too. But what would have happened here, possibly Wayne, is that this guy would have uh, would have a essentially a proven model because it sounded like it was working for him, right? That's why they came after him. If it wasn't working out, they probably wouldn't have felt threatened by him, and they would have left him alone. But word got out that this guy was innovating and come up with a really great idea that is that is giving people the healthcare services that they're looking for at an affordable price. Word got 
got around to the competition or to the insurance companies, and they said, whoa, we're going to have to put a stop to this. They'll put because, us out of business. Well, right. Because, yeah. Well, this one doctor is not going to put an insurance company out of business. But another 50 doctors taking that same business model and saying, yeah, I could, uh, I could really enjoy cutting out all the insurance paperwork from doing – because mm-hmm. if you've got a whole bunch of clients that are paying you cash on a monthly basis – or, or check, you know, whatever. They're, they're paying you for services. Then you don't have to go through the, you know, the collections process that is very, very onerous. And it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's really bad with the government. Yes. It's not quite as bad with the insurance companies. But nonetheless, these doctors employ people in their offices whose job it is to fill out paperwork for things like insurance companies. And so you could probably cut your staff down, lower your overhead, and that's and pass those savings on to your customers. This sounds like a really great business model. And that's why they came in and shut him down. And by the way, I might add that a lot of doctors will tell you that they actually have more people working in their office t- handling paperwork than medical personnel like nurses. Yes, so, so, absolutely. So anyway, uh, Dr. Muni insisted that it wasn't an insurance because it didn't cover anything he couldn't do in his offices. Like, uh, well, he could do compliment, uh, surgery and, and, and that type of thing. And his offices don't operate 24 offer. I'm sorry, they don't, they don't operate 24-7, so they can't function like an emergency room. So meaning that if, if his plan were paying for services found elsewhere, then that would be insurance. Because then if the patient came to him and he said, well, I'll have to send you out to my friend to have you looked at there because we don't Correct. have that technology. Makes then sense. he'd be paying for that uh, person to get sent to that other per- place like an insurance company pays because the insurance company isn't giving you the services. They're paying someone else to give you the services. So his, his argument is, uh, is absolutely However, sensible. However, it kind of sounds like an HMO that has, uh, you know, that, that has a certain amount of uh, subscribers, you know, doctors in their plan. In his case, it has one. And so, you know, as you it, pointed out, Mark, it's it a doesn't Volvo, matter. Right? Right. But is HMO right. insurance? I don't think it's so. offered by insurance companies. All right, there's more coming up here. 800-259-9231. Is there more to the story, Wayne? Yes. All right, we'll bit. share that with you and take your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live, innovation crushed by the system. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the Sakel CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features include the updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live, you'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Do you hate making those extra trips um, from the car to bring in the grocery bags. Well, uh, you know, I've been, have been using these uh, this little product called Totasec that I heard about on the radio, and I called them up, and they decided they'd sponsor the show. They sent me some, and I would have never imagined that I needed this little thing as much as I do. Now I carry them with me into the grocery store so I don't have to carry the grocery, so I don't have to, to roll the grocery cart back into the corral or into the, the store at all. These these things are just amazingly useful little tools. And if you want to go get one, you can go to totasack.com. You can get a family pack there, and it's uh, six of them because you want to have them in each car and in the house and you know the boat or something like that. So it's totasack.com, T-O-T-A. S-A-K dot com. The boat? 
Well, if you have one, I don't have a boat. <laughs> so People oh, have boats out there. We need to do a Toto Set giveaway at some point tonight, don't we, Mark? I uh, I'm happy to do that. So we'll, look, we'll uh, listen, continue listening uh, for that opportunity coming up here at some point tonight. 800-259-9231. Wayne, you were telling us about a doctor. Uh, what was the state in which this was occurring? New York. Of course. The Empire State, living up to their name. Uh, where This is the Empire City, too. Yeah. Oh, it's New, New York, York City? New York City, so this doctor was offering a special plan to his patients at $79 per month that uh, that would essentially buy them a lot of his services. Uh, $10 copay per visit. Right. And, uh, everything and from what? Mammograms to what else? Wart removal. Whatever he could do in his office during his, his work hours. Right. So he was basically offering these people a prepaid uh, plan, uh, and it was working out so well that he garnered enough to, of attention uh, to where the regulators of his industry decided to step in and say, uh-uh-uh, you can't do that. That's not fair. That's anti-competitive, or whatever it is that the, the bureaucrats said in, in that <laughs> Whatever lie they're, they're and, and he actually use. claimed that he could afford to charge such a small amount because he doesn't have to process mountains of paperwork and yep. spend hours on, on billing. Right. He said, if they left me alone, I could serve thousands of patients. The state believes his plan runs afoul of the law because it promises to cover unplanned procedures, like treating a sudden ear infection under a fixed rate. Right, and this is what this is what the the bureaucrats hate. They hate people being free of paperwork. They want to saddle you with all kinds of paperwork, and then imagine that you're going to be able to do your job as well. It is absolutely ludicrous. The public, the, the, his patients, are not being served as well, and they're not being served as well because of the government. Yes. The government, the, the organization that is supposed to be there in order to protect you, is in fact harming these people. Yeah, and some people would probably also say that, that, the, that the government and the insurance companies want the paperwork because they want a paper trail on every person and what their medical records are going forward so they know how to, how to assess them for risk. I, I and couldn't, if you pay cash for things, there's no paper trail. I don't have any idea, but I can tell you that if I was a, a doctor, the way that I would want to do it, is to make it, you know, make it just cash because I don't yes. want to deal with filling out all that paperwork. That's as not you why said, you got in the business, right? As you said, every doctor has essentially for every nurse they have, they have two people working in the office in order to fill out paperwork and to follow up with the insurance company. And when the insurance company has a question, to get on the phone with them and make yeah. those five calls that it takes to actually get them on the phone, and then go through and then fill out the paperwork. My wife does this for a living. I know what incredible arduous work it is dealing with this kind of paperwork and then when you're talking about medicare you might as well just step it up another you know double double the amount of paperwork and time that it takes to get paid half as much wait a minute mark are you saying you want to put your wife out of a job i I want to see things work efficiently i know that she's actually i want to employ her doing this but um you know when, when the time comes i don't want i i want what's right yeah, I agree with you. If, if for whatever reason, we were able to end the government next week and that for some reason meant that Free Talk Live was an, unable to continue, which I don't think it would because there will always be interesting things to talk about. And this is an open phone show and we'll take calls from anybody about anything. But even if it did mean that Free Talk Live had to go out of business, I'd be happy with that because there'd be uh, plenty of opportunity in the marketplace at that point for me to offer my services in some other way some you know, to satisfy some other market segment. But again, Free Talk Live would, would likely continue because uh, just because the government isn't around doesn't mean there won't be uh, interesting things to discuss or or people scamming. I don't think people. it's a problem we're going to have anytime yeah. soon. However, yeah, I would also not. consider it a victory. 
So, Wayne, what else do you want to share? Is there anything else left here? Well, the, the, state, the state of New York, the insurance department, was saying how the law is strict about how insurance is defined, and a possible solution at the time that uh, the doctor's lawyer had crafted would force patients to pay more than the $10 for unplanned procedures. And they're waiting to see if that happened. And as it turned out, what happened was they had to raise their fees by force by the government in order to continue uh, some semblance of what he was doing before with this for the to, poor people. To not be as competitive. Yes, to be less competitive, probably still affordable, but but he had to raise his prices and restructure his fee, fees in order to satisfy the Department of Insurance and in the state of New York. And that's just one example of how the government's regulations are putting sick people and people who, as I think you said he was he was kind of taking care of people of a lower economic strata. Right. Uh, so people that are, <laughs> the excuse for government in many cases is, well, what about the poor people? Well, without all of these government regulations on the healthcare industry, healthcare costs will come down just like they do with other industries that are lightly or, or regulated not at all, like the uh, like the, the, the computer business. I mean, I, this is such a great example. The computer business is such a great example of what happens when the government essentially keeps their hands off. I mean, the, the government isn't approving software code. The government isn't out there approving uh, hardware designs beyond maybe FCC interference uh, requirements. So there's really not a whole lot of government uh, hoops to jump through and hurdles to, to jump over in order to put a new computer product out. And as a result of that freedom in that particular market segment... What do you see? You see all kinds of competition. You innovation. See, you see innovation. You see be- the products getting better and better year after year. And, and cheaper. And the, right, the prices are dropping as well as the, uh, the products are getting better. So you can see that happen. You could see the same things with health care if the government were to get out of the way. But as long as you've got situations where the government is, is acting as a protective, uh, a protection racket for the existing cartel of business owners that are currently in the healthcare system, the, the healthcare providers that essentially have teamed up with the government to, to keep innovators out, to keep competitors out, like, uh, like natural remedies and things like that. The, the government exists to protect the medical establishment from things like, uh, from comp- competition like that. Mm-hmm. And they, they do a pretty good job of keeping those folks out of the marketplace and threatening them with violence if they decide to uh, to get involved and, and try to market their products. That's right. And this doctor was paying his rent. He was serving his patients and, and serving them well yep. at this price. So there's no reason why he had to raise his price. That's the price he chose to, to charge. The reason he raised it is because there was a, a cold jail cell waiting for him if he didn't do as the bureaucrats demanded. Isn't that sad? That's what we're talking about here. If that doctor were to say, you know... New York Insurance Corporation of Regulation, if whatever the hell they're called. You know what, uh, Insurance Bureau? I'm just going to not pay attention to you. Because you're wrong. Who are you people anyway? I never elected you to control me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't really know who you are. You're a group of strangers sending me threatening letters. I say to hell with you. I'm here for my patients. I got into this business to help people. I'm here to help these people feel better. They are voluntarily coming to me. They're choosing to buy this plan. You, it's none of your business. Get the hell out of my life. If he were to say that to them, it wouldn't be long before men with guns came to his office and changed his mind or threw him in a jail cell. And you know, you guys, uh, you're, you get, both of you guys are a little too young to remember this, but when healthcare was a cash-based business, 
uh, we had the best healthcare system in the world, and it was yeah. the freest, and it, it was very inexpensive. Doctors made house calls. Doctors made house calls. Uh, in 1952, for example, there was a, a rate schedule from a maternity ward uh, we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it was like 24, I think it was $24, $28 to have a baby. And if you wanted a, a private room, it was $32. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We're going to take your calls about whatever you want coming up here and then also... We'll talk about a taxi situation. You want to get back into the regulation issue? We'll, t- we'll hit it from another perspective. Uh, 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. If you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program, you like the fact that we give you the website for free, then we would ask that you become a voluntary supporter of the show. It's called the AMP program. You can become a Free Talk Live amplifier. For as little as three bucks a month, we'll take that money and reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get involved. That's amp.freetalklive.com. The interesting thing, by the way, is that over time, the AMP dollars, I think, are going to become more effective. So Why for, is that? Well, because we've, we've got uh, a reputation now in the business. Free Talk Live has been syndicated coming up now on, I think actually we have passed our five-year mark. Syndicated? We've, we've yeah. been syndicated uh, radio show for now five years. And the fact is, when you're a first-year syndicated show, nobody wants you because they think that you're going to go away. And the chances are actually pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot of flash-in-the-pan shows, uh, people showing up on the scene and, hey, I'm syndicated now, take Yay. my show. And nobody's heard of me. Nobody does, and they run out of money, and they go away. But we haven't run out of money because, well, partially because of the Free Talk Live amplifiers, because you guys have been backing us up since 2005. And that's helped us market this program effectively. We've been able to consistently get this, uh, the idea about this show out to program directors around the country and, uh, and get it into their heads that, that Free Talk Live is a reliable option for them. Because now we've been around five years, and they know that we're not going anywhere. They know that we're profitable. They know that we're we're here to stay. They know that we're growing. We've got over 53 affiliates and more. I think there's at least a handful of them out there that we're going to be adding here within the next few weeks, hopefully. So we'll probably be crossing the 55 threshold and then 60. and then you know, So the more affiliates you get, it's kind of a follower business. People see other stations adding the show, and they say, well, if uh, so-and-so station, WFLA in Florida, has added the show, it must be worth something. It must be a good program. And so they don't think as hard about whether to add the show or not. They just look at you as an option when they're making changes. And so I think that uh, because we've got kind of an establishment, uh, or we're, we're kind of established into the industry at this point, that the money that's coming in from the AMP program is actually a little more effective today than it was five years ago. 
So thank you to everybody that uh, supports the show as an amplifier. And if you don't do it, we still need you because we've got big plans. Uh, We've got uh, more that we want to do. And your dollars, your $3 a month can make it possible for Free Talk Live to go from 50 affiliates to 100, to 200, to 400. I mean, what, Limbaugh's up to over 600 or something like that? More than 600 stations, We've still still got a ways to go to get up there. And you guys can help us do it. And you can get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only podcast, chat room, forum, and more. Get all the details at amp.freetalklive. You know, we may have been syndicated for five years, but uh, you and I have been working together for in, in December. It'll be ten years. Yeah, how about ten that? years. You knew me when I had long hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and peach fuzz. Oh, well, he's always had I that still have stuff peach on his face. Um, anyway, Free Talk Live has teamed up with M&S Press to offer you the only complete writings of Lysander Spooner. This is thirty-four works. In six bound volumes, in uh, you know their library quality cloth hardcover, and there's 2,800 pages. So if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you probably do know who Lysander Spooner is, and you probably do are a big fan. And this is going to be your only opportunity to uh, to purchase this set. And when they're gone, they're gone. They're gone. These are the ones that they printed, uh, and they printed them. Quite some time ago, and basically they were intended for libraries to be able to buy, and the guy has some sitting around. He's like, sure, I'll offer them to your to your uh, listeners at a reduced price. So I went out and I got this deal for our listeners, and I've got to say that uh, you, you better jump on board, because when the offer's gone, the offer is gone. And good luck finding a, a set like that right. on and eBay or something like so, that. So, I mean, you know, maybe $335 might be a bit of a stretch for you today. However, just consider that... It won't be an opportunity to get stretched for it later. And you may not be able to get it on eBay. If you do get it on eBay, it'll be used. So $335. These are brand new. These are brand new, out of the box, to our listeners, delivered to your door for $335. That includes shipping. And that's all you have to do is go to spooner.freetalklive.com. And there's, you know, when you do the order thing, there'll be an email uh, thing, and you just email back and forth with him. He'll get them sent to your to your house for three hundred and thirty five dollars delivered at spooner.freetalklive.com. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. It's Roy in Pennsylvania. Roy, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Roy? Um, actually, college loans. Considering I'm out of college now, I've been out for a little over a year, uh-huh. and. Um, it's to the point now where all my loans are starting to come off forbearance and things like that. And they're pretty ridiculous. Like, I went to college for uh, at the Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University down in Florida. And it was a ridiculous price tag. I think it cost, like, 200 grand to go there, which was absurd. Wow. Aeronautical, uh, is that uh, they teach you how to fly? Yeah, well, they do a lot of other stuff, too. It's known for uh, flying, engineering. It's got a business program, things I like see. that. Okay. And... Um, but basically, I'm out of college, and I have a job which took a year to get. And mm-hmm. it's nothing major. It's just like a computer technician job. It's like pretty much I make like 1600 a month, and uh, and that's after, you know, the taxes and got to pay for the empire and all that garbage. Right, <laughs> and, right, and you could have done that without a college education. Yeah, I know. I, I was doing it before I even went to college. It's right. I did. I was doing that uh, five, seven or eight years ago, freshly out of prison. I was making that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't laugh. That's awful. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's funny. <laughs> Well, the, oh, yeah. the whole point is, is that college is too expensive. Colleges are bloated. They've grown too much. They have a lot of bogus majors. They've thrown a lot of money into sports stadiums and all that. 
And a lot of people are predicting that colleges and universities going forward are going to have a lot of financial problems now and will shrink yeah. down well, the thing, to the needs the of the marketplace. The thing I'm thinking of is like, what about all the, college, the people who are graduating college now and the ones who are already graduated who can't get a job that's worthy of paying for the ridiculous loans that they had to take out to pay for the college? They're in over their head. They're, They're going to default. I mean, you know, that's, that, yeah, that is like, the long and the short of it. And that's a bubble, too, by the way. The, the college education, the whole college market has been a financial bubble as well. Yeah, and what I'm thinking is, like, I make, like, 1600 a month, and right now about the most I could afford to pay for college loans is, like, like 500 a month, which is almost an entire paycheck vanishing, and I get nothing in return. Mm. What did you learn in college, by the way? Uh, not a lot that I couldn't have taught myself. My favorite class was my economics class, and he was a hardcore about free market and everything. Mm. That's so, one where I learned the most. The rest was, I mean, I could have learned it myself if uh, I really Yeah, Mises.org. Well, honestly, yeah. you um, just about everything that college teaches, uh, you know, it, it, essentially what college sells is a classroom environment. If they don't sell uh, yeah, learning any longer, it. anything that a college teaches you, you can you can you can get on the interwebs for free. So right. they sell you the piece of paper. I mean, th- there's and, the piece of yeah. paper too. Yes, but as you're what saying, that hasn't been like, too fe- that that the piece of paper hasn't but, been too helpful. But the piece of paper, when you um, consider that four years worth of uh, of time is spent in order to get the piece of paper, so you could go have a job. Learn whatever it is yeah. that you're going to learn in college in your spare time, which is the same way you'd do it anyway. Right. And then in those four years, you'd make money and you'd work your way up in whatever career field it is that you picked in the first place. You're making. I six. recommend with most career fields, certainly there are ones that need degrees, and getting the people that don't need degrees out of the business of having degrees would make those degrees worth more anyway. But um, yeah. you know, just getting people that that don't need degrees, why are they? You know, it's it's a big waste of money. Yeah, right. it, and, what's, and what's wrong with being a plumber or a mechanic or something? When I was a kid, those people were looked upon very respectfully. Uh, I had a, a house that I rented once from a plumber, and he was doing very, very no, well plumbers for Plumbers do fine. Uh, he had a very, very nice house. In fact, multiple houses all around town, and uh, you know, he owned the company, wow. but he started at the, the ground level. Um, so, it's, you know, right you were now, saying 1600 a month is about what you were making before you started college? Well, I'm not sure what I was making before, because... I went from high school directly to college. I didn't even have a summer vacation. I see. Insane. But uh, right now, basically, the situation is by the end of November, when all my college loans come out of forbearance, right now, essentially, almost one paycheck a month disappears and goes away. But what, by the time they all come out, I'd be looking at around $1,400 a month Whoa. that I get nothing from. And, and what are they going to do if you like, don't pay? I mean, yeah, that's... exactly. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, what happens when I can't pay? Because... Wait, so My you don't parents, know? You don't know what the consequences are? Well, basically, they'd say, and the person I'm talking to on the phone is like, they're stumbling over their own words like they don't want to say it, and they're basically said, they'll go after the co-signers, which are my parents. Oh, and boy. I mean, they wouldn't be able to afford this. So, and if I go, if I default on the loans, which I could care less what the consequences for me are, really. Yeah. Right? That's that, and that's and that those are the people they have to sell this to, and that is the why parents. it's such an insidious uh, and and it, I guess it's not evil, yeah. but it's such an insidious plan is to go. You know, the, the, these parents want the very best thing that they can offer to their children, as all parents everywhere always yeah, have. That's a natural instinct, right and there. so they um, they they play on this. This isn't the best thing, though. It's just a it's a myth. The best thing is for your for your child to understand the value of money, and one of the ways for them to do that is to pay for their own college if they need to get it. You may be able to help them. Here, I'll give you a son. I'll give you $2 for every one that you earn for your college, but you're going to pay for it.
Boy, is this is it's just another tragic story. I wish you the best of luck, and I thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. He's not the only one in that position. Hour three's coming up. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on free inspection and estimate in the upper right-hand corner, fill out the online form, earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the show. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. Dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free and speaking of another giveaway, uh, we'll be doing a Totasack giveaway coming up here shortly, uh, so be ready for that. 800-259-9231, right to your phone calls. We got a Kurt in Michigan. He's on the amp line. Hello, Kurt. You're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey there. What's on your mind tonight? Well, before I get to my main point, I'd like to talk about a little bit about my last call, which which we talked about pacifism and where the where the uh, the edge where you should start con- to consider violence. Um, and I think that that call centered way too much on the violence and, and not enough on the pacifism. You know, I didn't want to talk about, I wanted to talk about whether or not there is a point, not where that point was or what the level of defensive violence would be appropriate. You know, and I, I, <clears throat> I think that uh, uh, in many cases, uh, people who speak about that are painted as gun polishers. And I, and I know that, that uh, uh, you've actually done that, Ian, to a, a couple of callers. And um, I don't think that if if you think that defensive violence is appropriate, that there is at that point <laughs> no latitude for appropriateness or prudence. You know, I mean, I've got the right to drink Clorox, but it's certainly not prudent. You agree? Well, when I call when I've used the term gun polisher, it's to describe the kind of people that are always agitating for violence, that are always talking about how they're going to give the uh, the government what's uh, what for, and uh, that uh, they're just always harping on that issue and talking about how bad they are and how many guns they have and how they're going to give it to them lead first. And then when there's actually something that happens that involves the government coming after those people, they're just 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 as uh, weak and pathetic as uh, as most Americans, and they you know they just turn out to be a bun- full of a bunch of hot air. Mm-hmm. So those well, are the I, gun I mean, policies. I agree with you that, insofar as the government goes, I, I don't believe there really is room for violence because of the fact that that is what they gear up for, and I believe that uh, being peaceful, even in in the face of that violence makes you the winner. I agree with you. Um, I think that uh, the only way to achieve peaceful society is through peace, uh, not through violence. And as you say, the government is prepared for your violence. They're ready for that. Uh, They will use violence back on you. You will perish. And then after the fact, you'll be made to look like a violent loon, a a violent madman. And you will be the justification, and your violence would be the justification for the next growth of government. Bingo. Bingo. That is is 100% true. But I also believe that true pacifism is anti-life 
as it serves up man as a sacrificial animal to anybody who wants to pick up that club. Well, I, I don't disagree, and you will not hear me use the term pacifist to describe myself because I believe that what it does is it just it 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 uh, it, it sets some people off and and me in the past on a tear that like whoa what are you going to do and they come up with these scenarios which I've never dealt with in my life um, about you know what could happen and how you should do something in this imaginary scenario and I don't use that term I just say I'm a Quaker and that tends to set some people off anyway but what i um what i say is i don't believe that violence is a good solution to problems and what that means to me is is that there may be a scenario where i have to do something in order to prevent prevent harm prevent further harm and uh, unjustifiable harm or something like that but i use the term violence to describe what it is that i might have to do you may do that if that makes you feel better but um right now that's where i'm at and the reason for me to do that is is because i can't handle personally cannot handle the idea of being able to use violence to solve problems when that uh, solution is there I, I I have a tendency to sort of dwell on it and meditate on it, and you know I I I'll admit it, folks. I've got an anger management problem, mm. and that anger management problem for me, what it manifests itself into, and I can only assume that this these are the uh, the workings of a crazy man. Um, that I have you know I'll I'll end up being in the car and yelling at the radio and telling telling the you know the imaginary bureaucrats how they're they're violent people and they can't do this to me and I won't handle it anymore. And I'll be in the house and I'll imaginarily shoot at things and I scare the dog and and it like it, it's just no no. I am I'm sick of this level of 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 anger that I have, and I, the, I don't have a solution for it. I, I other well, than I, I think, remove the I possibility that, of using violence out of my life. I think that ruminating on it, ruminating on it, to that extent, where you're you know you know Mark shooting your dog. I think that's a little too much. Oh, I don't shoot at the I, dog. I, I just do, scare her. I do. Okay, <laughs> I, I do believe that that thinking about it in in a in an overall logical sense as opposed to an emotional sense gives you a sense of, of preparedness as to what you might do. I mean, don't act out scenarios where, you, you know, you're the hero killing people because heroes don't kill people. <laughs> they, 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 they find steps around having to do that. I agree. So, but anyway, on to my, on to my, uh, the point that I did want to talk about, I'd like to, to address those people who feel it necessary to yell at and berate officers who are wrongly arresting peaceful people. Um, I mean, I understand that it's never really happened in front of me, so I've never had the passions inflamed, but it is counterproductive. And the fact of the matter is, is this is the path to get to where we need to be. So, I mean, I don't want to sound like it's something you should celebrate when somebody gets arrested, but it has to happen. So wait a minute. What you're saying change. is what you're saying is, Kurt, that this weekend where uh, th- three people were arrested for cannabis possession, another three arrested for walking into the city building, uh, supposedly allegedly trespassing. Uh, these arrests that were happening in front of a crowd of people. Uh, some people booed. Some people yelled. I myself had a megaphone and basically uh, sh- was shaming the cops through it. You're saying that's all inappropriate. You're saying that's inappropriate. I don't want to say all inappropriate. I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, I, I saw the uh, um, the obscured truth video that showed a, a young gentleman. I mean, like following the cop to his car, just screaming at him. 
that's out of line. Now, if you're gonna if you're gonna speak to the cop, you know, to the to the gentleman, uh, and I use that term loosely, uh, you're gonna speak to them and let them know that what you're what they're doing is wrong. That, that's fine, of course. Now, if there's 65 people all trying to do it at the same time, it just becomes counterproductive. Yeah, I see but, what you're saying, and I'll agree with you to the point that what you're talking about uh, with the guy yelling in the cop's ear—that I don't know who that person is. That's just some guy that was at this cannabis celebration, and it's one of those situations where you, you're at a public event with a bunch of people that are likely to be angry at the actions of the police. Uh, you can't say that you're necessarily—I can't say I was necessarily surprised to see something like that happen. Uh, the guy was yelling "freedom" right in the cop's ear as the right. cop was making an arrest, and he was very, very obnoxious about it. Uh, but and, and I think that to some extent we did what we could to kind of suppress that. We got on the megaphones and encouraged people to be peaceful, encouraged them to be forgiving uh, toward the police instead of angry and hateful toward them. And I think that 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 event with the guy yelling was very, very early on. It was that first weekend where the first arrest happened, and we hadn't really had to deal with that yet. Um, and so it was after that that we started really putting out the messages of, of peacefulness. And, and since right. that point, we had a lot um, a lot more success, I think, with, with keeping people's emotions in check in that way. But at the same time, I, you know, I can't say I blame people for getting upset and angry at what these police are doing. Uh, but, uh, but I agree with you, Kurt, that they should be discouraged from being uh, in your face in, in that kind of manner. But at the same time, somebody else would, would be able to, to make a, the same argument against what I was doing with the megaphone of, uh, of essentially shaming the police through the megaphone and telling them that what they're doing is wrong and, and, uh, and asking them to stop and, and things like that. Some people could make the same claims that, that I was being as, you know, as disruptive in that way. Well, I, again, it, it, what you were doing wasn't um, forceful in nature. I mean, when you're, when you're following somebody and shouting at them, pumping your, your, you know, your, your extended index finger towards them, you know, I didn't know that that's what he did, but, you know, you know these types of things, yeah. they're much more provocative than being on a megaphone and saying, you know, what you're doing is wrong, uh, please, please stop aggressing against us, or, or whatever it is you're saying. But, again, I mean, I, and, I, and, and like Rich, um, Rich, Paul, or Rich uh, Paul, says, you know, he goes there to those cannabis freedom uh, celebrations every day looking to get arrested. And, you know, it, that is what has to happen because the state's not just going to look at you and say, ah, you know, we're wrong and uh, we're going to go away. It, you, in order to be able to to show I, I think you're right about that. Kurt, I've got a question for you. I'm going to hang and, on and to you and bring it back here in a moment. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Candy. For inspiring ideas for your next celebration, be sure to visit us at CelebrationCorner.com. You don't have to wait for a holiday to plan a festive meal. Celebrate anytime with a fun menu or creative theme. Invite friends for a roll-your-own sushi dinner. Or surprise your family with a birthday cake when it's nobody's birthday. Fun is the name of the game, so make up a special reason of your own. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features, and they're all free. Live, uh, live streams are there. 
broadband version of the show, a dial-up version. Both of them are free for you. Also, webcam. It's all there at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, details on the brand new Free Talk Live listen lines. You can dial up this number, 217-238-6220, any old time of the day or night, 24 hours a day, and you will hear the latest episode of Free Talk Live. If we're on live, you'll hear us live, 217-238-6220. It's not a free call. It's long distance. But if you've got a free long distance package or you've got a cell phone with free nights and weekends or something like that, uh, then it would be a free call for you. So 217-238-6220. If you forget that number, just go anytime to listen.freetalklive.com, and it's right there for you. Today's businesses, banks, healthcare providers, landlords, utilities, and educational institutions are plagued by a burgeoning rate of consumers who have failed to pay their bills. You may believe this debt only affects those industries and businesses. However, when people do not pay their bills, all consumers pay the penalties, which are manifest through increased prices everywhere. So if you have or know any businesses that require assistance with collections, tell them to call SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. SACL CAI repositions companies to zero in on principal operations and regain their financial foundation. See their banner at freetalklive.com. So we've been talking with Kurt in Michigan about the cannabis celebrations that have been happening here for well over a month now in Keene, New Hampshire. Every single day at 4.20 in the afternoon, people, activists and regular people that would not consider themselves activists, uh, liberty activists and the regular folk have been coming out to the Central Square area in Keene, New Hampshire, also in Manchester. It's been going on there for the the past few weeks as well. Uh, They got a little bit of a later start, but they've been going uh, strong, as I understand it and uh, it's been su- pretty successful only a handful of arrests the police most days have left it alone uh, they left it alone for a couple three weeks in a row then this weekend they cracked down during the pumpkin fest which was a very large event being held in the same general uh, vicinity even though the cannabis users moved their event outside of the uh, the general, uh, the, the I guess outside of the heart of the pumpkin fest, they moved it across the street. That still wasn't good enough. The police cracked down. But Kurt's on the line with us from Michigan, talking about the behavior of some of the people that have been uh, attending these cannabis celebrations, and some of them have been pretty angry. And in, in, in fact, in the the early on, very early on, there was one guy that was yelling right in the face of the police officers as they were making uh, an arrest of one of the cannabis uh, consumers. And I agree with you, Kurt, that it was it was absolutely outrageous. And uh, his his behavior, and this was just you know a kid, right? This was somebody who's probably no more than 18 years old. And I don't know about you guys, but when I was 18, I was pretty angry. And if, well, I, I think that also um, what you see, and I don't know if this is a uh, you know a free stater or anything. This like that. This guy was no one I knew. But when you first sort of get into the liberty movement, you're moved by your passion. Mm-hmm. People are outraged over some issue or another. Find out more about liberty and the ideas. See how outrageous it is elsewhere. Yeah. When you and I moved up here, you would I. I I I would say that I was significantly more angry and much more combative towards the uh um you know art adversarial towards the the, the people who you know, call agree. themselves government and all that other stuff. I didn't really start shifting toward uh peace a more a peaceful mindset until I'd moved here and and gotten settled in a little bit. And I don't mean that I'm you know threaten them or anything like that. I just mean that you know you're, you're frustrated, you're upset, you're angry, and that tends to come out that way. Yeah. And what you have are constantly people coming into the liberty movement um, and moving here to New Hampshire and so. Same process. So, so they're going through that process, and to some extent, it's the you know, the, uh, the the role of the older activists to kind of whoa, calm down. And that's what we did. We got on our megaphones and individually talked to people about calming down and and approaching things from a, a peaceful perspective. But I guess I guess Kurt, what I wanted to talk to you about, the reason why I held on to you here, is because uh, I want to talk to you about Michigan. 
Um, because mm-hmm. isn't it nice that we have this problem to deal with here in New Hampshire, where we have a movement that has become so large that we can't control who shows up anymore? We don't even know who a lot of these people are that are showing up to, and in this case, the cannabis celebrations. So it seems to me that this it's a growing pain, right? I mean, this is, this is something that I've never had to deal with in my history of being an activist, because back where I was in Florida, I was usually alone or with just a handful of very uh, close volunteer friends that, uh, that I had helping me with whatever projects I was doing. Uh, down there, I never had to deal with crowd control or or uh, calming people down or or anything like that because nothing I did would ever have attracted any uh, level of participation. Them up to begin with, yes. Right, right. Um, so I guess my question for you is: earlier in the show tonight, we had somebody from Michigan on the line with us, and we talked to him about the Free State Project, and he kind of sounded favorable towards it, like yeah, maybe he might do that someday. And Mark asked him what his objection was, or I forget exactly what you asked, Mark, but uh, essentially. This guy came back and said, well, you know, there's a growing liberty movement here in Michigan, and uh, he just kind of feels like staying there and, and, and milking the, the growing liberty movement there. But, Kurt, you're also in Michigan, and I happen to know uh, we've met. You've been to a couple of Free State Project Porcupine Freedom Festivals, and, of course, the Free State Project is a movement of thousands of liberty-minded people all focusing on one geographic location, and that is New Hampshire. So I happen to know you're a Free State Project member. So I guess I want to know, Kurt... Aren't you aware of this great liberty movement there in, in Michigan? It's, it's apparently growing and, and exciting enough to where the, the last guy we talked to from Michigan is saying he feels like staying there. And why, why are you leaving? Well, I, I don't, I, although I am seeing an uptick, you know, during the, the Ron Paul campaign, there were more Ron Paul signs out dur- than any other, in fact, almost all the other Republican candidate, candidates combined. So if that's any gauge, I've also seen a couple of houses outside on their flagpoles flying a Gadsden flag. Um, I don't know about a burgeoning liberty movement. I, I, um, I actually had the Motorhome Diaries guys, when they passed for Detroit, have them meet up at my house. Um, and we probably had about probably a dozen, maybe 20 people throughout the entire night. And, you know, in a, in a metropolitan area of 4 million, I don't know Jeez. if you'd call that a burgeoning liberty movement, but at least those are the people who knew about Motorhome Diaries. That sounds about on par with uh, what was going on down in Florida. Now, back when I was down there, it was you know, the, the, the turn of the, the century, so it uh, wasn't the Ron Paul campaign excitement. But when I was down, I was there, down for that, though, and, and there certainly were a lot of signs up. And Ron Paul had signs up, <laughs> a lot more signs than a lot of the candidates did, all over. So, you know, I mean, that's that, that was true nationwide. However... And, and I can see why people would consider that hope. I consider that hope for America. However, I still hold, a, you know, I'm, I'm not real hopeful for the republic as it stands, uh, making it through the next couple of decades. However, I do God, think I that <laughs> I do think that there's a there's a possibility that, uh, you know, New Hampshire might be able to move itself towards uh, freedom and liberty if we get enough freedom and loving people here. So really all you had to point to then is the fact that some people turned out for the Motorhome Diaries party. And it's not it's not as difficult to get uh, liberty people to turn out for a party as it is to get them to turn out to actually do activism. Um, and you also cited Ron Paul, which is now over a year ago. So is there anything else that's really popped up on your radar as far as liberty activism in your area? Like I said, just just a couple of, of uh, Gadsden flags, you know, that I've yeah. seen flying. Thanks you for know, the so. thanks for the uh, the input there, uh, Kurt, and uh, look forward to seeing you up here in uh, New Hampshire when you get a chance. Thank you. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So if you're like Kurt, 
and you're like uh, I was down in Florida, and you just feel kind of alone, and you're not feeling like there's really any chance for liberty where you are, definitely check out the Free State Project. Oh, and you want to get a pack of uh, two-pack of the Totasack? T-O-T-A-S-A-K dot com. It's the wonderful little handle that I've been using for the last few months, bringing in the groceries from the car, and it makes it so much easier. A two-pack is yours. If you are the second caller right now at 603-435-1105, that's our special contest line, 603-435-1105. Be caller number two right now. More Free Talk Live is coming up. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features on the site. We give them all away, freetalklive.com. Dot com And those features include our Facebook profile. You can become a fan if you go to facebook.freetalklive.com. Uh, that's facebook.freetalklive.com. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us online. Again, freetalklive.com. And don't forget to take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines. And unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today, and you might just want to take it beyond seven days. Startpage.com. And I have to say that when we had Catherine Albrecht uh, Albrecht on from uh, startpage.com, she was... I have to say, I was really excited about the plans they have over there. Start page is, well, just the beginning of what that company is looking to do yes, to, to increase to make, privacy on the Internet. They're looking to make the Internet private, essentially, by... Uh, or at least you're surfing of it. Yeah, by, yeah. <laughs> not only would you be... you know, well, Startpage.com currently offers uh, private searches on the Internet, but then if you uh, search on the Internet and then go through, use their software that essentially, you know, go through their site um, to, you know, wherever you've searched, then your surfing is private, not too. Yet. Not, not yet. yet. That's not happening that's, yet. That will happen. It's in the cards, and so, of course, we're going to let you know uh, when that does occur. But in the meantime, check out the startpage.com for all your search need, uh, search engine needs and take the seven-day challenge. And there's a good example, by the way, of the marketplace uh, satisfying customers because yeah. a, a few of these major search engines have gotten bad reputations of selling data to the government and other entities. Or and, just giving it to them. Or just giving it to them. And, and now you have a company who respects your privacy and they strongly feel that that's a selling point, which I think it is. So uh, we're going to continue here. and We will take your calls about whatever you want. Uh, earlier in the show, we've discussed regulation and talked about how it is that uh, regulations in the case of one uh, doctor in New York City are harming his abilities to serve his patients with a, a special program he'd come up with, an innovative idea that essentially threatened the insurance company's uh, cartel. And so the the government came in with their regulators, and they told him, you're in violation, you need to stop this, or else we're going to shut you down. That's how the government works. They're force. They're coercion. Uh, they're not reason or eloquence. They are force, as I believe George Washington is uh, famous for saying. And, of course, he was absolutely right about that. 
now here's another example from a different perspective of how it is that regulations are actually not keeping consumers safe, that they are not helping consumers, that they are helping established business people at the cost of consumers and at the cost of the, uh, the, the, the lost potential of what could be in any given industry. Without these regulations, without these hurdles to jump through, without these uh, mandatory government things that, that business owners have to, uh, do, to do to run their business, their costs would be lower. They could pass those uh, savings on to their, uh, to their customers. They would be free to innovate and come up with neat new ideas that could completely change the industry in which they're in. And that's what these old school uh, industrialists are afraid of. Right. That's what they're afraid of. That's what of. regulations really are about, is to keep innovation out. Imagine all the great innovations of the 20th century, by and large, were done uh, you know, without regulations in place. And how difficult would it be? To, uh, to innovate in an industry that's so heavily regulated. You can't that's do the it. whole purpose of it, is to keep innovation out, to keep progress out. And, and, here, and competition out. Yep, exactly. Because, well, it's competition that leads to innovation. In the absence of competition, you've just got a few good old boys that are, you know, there's enough clients in the marketplace to where if one shifts to another and the other, if one client shifts over to one of the other good old boys, it doesn't really matter because they don't have too many choices. And they can just keep milking their inferior technology for indefinitely. So here's a great example of that. In fact, this one is particularly outrageous, I think. Tampa, according to TampaBay.com, the electric vehicles that for 18 months around ta- downtown Tampa that had given free rides are gone. But a oh. new service has popped up in their place. The owner? Lou Minardi, whose attorney this month persuaded the Hills, this was in August, persuaded the Hillsborough County Public Transportation Commission Board to pull the plug on his competitors. Minardi, owner of the Red Top and Yellow Cab Companies, remember that if you live in the Tampa Bay area and don't give this guy your business, launched his business about two months ago after receiving permission from the Transportation Commission to convert two hybrid hybrid cars to what he calls Green Fleet Vehicles. It's a good concept, Minardi said, of the idea that he borrowed from his former competition. For now, at least, Minardi enjoys a monopoly on the free shuttle market serving downtown Ybor City and other areas of Tampa. On August 12th, the Transportation Commission board shut down the electric cart companies. See, for months, taxi drivers and cab company owners had been complaining to the board that the carts were cutting into their business. They pleaded with the board members to regulate the services of four companies with 14 vehicles on the road. So do you see what was happening here? These uh, these companies had essentially free shuttles that they were operating that is uh, that were they I guess they were trying to skirt the um, the, the the cab rules. So there's yeah. existing rules in place about what a cab is and what it means to be in the taxi right. business. So they so they stopped. They they, they weren't paying for a, a, a medallion, is what they call uh, correct. You know, the, the they license. couldn't. They couldn't. The medallions are all sold out. Right. So the the license to get a cab. So they decided. Well, they're not going to charge a per mile fee like cabs do. They just offer their services for free. And surprise, surprise, surprise! People compensated them at a level that they were able to make a profit and yes. continue to be at a business in business with. Why? Because people are not 
not the greedy little misers that that uh, you know that the, the, the government would have you believe that the people that want to control your life would have you to believe whether they're liberals or conservatives because they're both guilty of it in different yep. areas they, they they want you to believe that people are evil but in fact no they they compensated people and this is downtown uh, Tampa is that right that is correct. So you may not be talking about the the upper crust here. I can assure you, you're not talking about the upper crust necessarily. Not in Ebor City. Here. Uh, they pleaded with the board members to regulate the services of the four companies with the 14 vehicles on the road. The electric cart owners argued, just like the doctor earlier argued, rightfully I think, that uh, he wasn't an insurance company the way he was providing his uh, his his patients with services on a monthly fee basis. Uh, and similarly, the electric cart owners argued that they couldn't be regulated by the commission because they didn't charge fares. Their drivers accepted only tips, and the companies made money by selling ads on the carts. So they're not even it, it, carts. I mean, they're carts. They, they're not even cabs. They're not even enclosed uh, vehicles. But nonetheless, nonetheless... Orlando Perez, an assistant county attorney who advises the Transportation Commission, confirmed to the board in March that the advertising didn't constitute compensation, according to meeting minutes. Enter Seth Mills, an attorney for minority. So it was looking good for them for a moment there. In July and August, he spoke at length at commission meetings, ultimately persuading the board members to side with the cab companies. Commissioners ruled that advertisements are indeed compensation, which put the electric vehicles under their jurisdiction. Transportation Commission members, Kevin so-and-so and whoever else. Sure. And can you imagine a board that says, well, this isn't under our jurisdiction? I mean, what kind of sense does that right. make? They want power. They I want mean, control. You know, for for the cost of, well, nothing to these people, they're able to say that they can control these people's lives. I mean, I, 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 and I, I guess I'm to believe here... That there were no checks written, no money uh, changed hands, nothing, nothing like that. Which you know, it could be possible that these people just wanted to control somebody else's life for free. But it could also be possible they were taken out to a very, very nice restaurant and uh, wined and dined, and get it a could have been hookers and cocaine for sure. all we know. Sure. And, you know, where's where is the, uh, the the onus on these people? Will they get uh, some kind of criminal charges brought against them? You'll never no. be able to prove any of the the backroom dealings no anyway. Way. So if if these companies the car companies, which you know probably weren't making a huge, a huge amount of money, decide to spend the hundreds of thousands of dollars it takes to to take this board of the city of Tampa to uh, to court in order to beat them back a little bit uh, to to resist this level of tyranny. Then what do they get? Well, what they had before in the first place, you know, the ability to compete against these yeah. taxis. It's it's just it's ludicrous. ludicrous. But there's more to the story. And what about this guy that's running a company that essentially he is now you can't steal ideas. But I think it's kind of stealing when you use the government to come in and force your competitors to shut down. That's kind of... You I know, bet he could have done it in communist scummy. China. 800-259-9231. You bet he could have done it? I'm not yes. sure. In China, they'd allow the competition. Oh, more yes. coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free 
Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we invite you to shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you need to buy, they've likely got it. They sell a whole bunch of stuff, dozens of categories, even used items. Just start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Get get the stuff you want, get the stuff you need, and feel good because you're getting a great deal, likely, and free super saver shipping on brand new items there, and a whole lot of their brand new items. Not all of them, just depends on the vendor, uh, but uh, there's a lot of them there, and it's Amazon. So if you've dealt with them before, you know how good they are. They're great. Amazon.freetalklive.com. All right, we continue the story from TampaBay.com about just a sad, sad example of exactly what regulations are intended to accomplish. They are not intended to protect consumers. They are not intended to help you get a better deal or to guarantee that you're going to get a straight deal or anything like that. The purpose of regulations is to prevent... New people, new innovative businesses from starting up in a given industry. That's what it's for. It's to protect, not the consumer, but to protect the existing established businesses. And this story lays it right out for you. Tampa Bay, where there were some really innovative companies that had started up these little electric carts. They had 14 of them. There were four different companies with 14 vehicles on the road in uh, serving the, the downtown Tampa area, Ybor City, some other areas. They're picking people up. They're giving them a ride to their destination, which presumably is in a relatively small zone, like it's kind of a downtown ride thing. I don't think they're going to take you across uh, across all of Tampa, but I could be wrong. But they're giving people a ride from point A to point B for free. And then they're accepting tips. And that's how they were making enough money to to get it done. The drivers were making enough money to make it worth their while. The companies were also selling advertisements on the backs of the carts and maybe on the insides as well so the customers could see them. But they're selling advertisements on their carts to make an extra uh, income stream. Because Ex- excellent business model, by brilliant. the way. Brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's an electric cart, so there's very little overhead beyond whatever the charging uh, cost is to, to plug it into the wall. So it's like, you know, getting a few golf carts or whatever, driving them around town and and taking people places and making money off of it. It was a great idea. And that's exactly why the established taxi companies went to the Taxi Cab Regulatory Agency, whatever the hell it's called, the Hillsborough County Public Transportation Commission Board. They went there and they begged them to put a stop to this. Oh, my God, we're out here doing business as taxi cab companies and we've been in this town since 1963 and we should have a right to these customers. These these innovative new companies are coming in here and they are taking our customers from us. These are our customers. We own them. I mean, that's essentially their position. They're not going to say those words. Right. They think they own the marketplace and they use their political clout to legislate competition away in the form of regulations. That's exactly what they've done. Because what these guys did, these innovators did, was they they essentially created a business model that was operating completely to their understanding, was operating completely outside of the existing regulations. 
So that way they believe that the electric carts didn't count as taxi cabs because they weren't charging people uh, for them. And, well, it turns out that the attorney for one of the existing companies managed to persuade the board members to side with the existing cab companies. And they ruled that because advertisements are on the carts, that means that that's, uh, that, that they called the advertisements compensation, which puts the vehicles, the electric vehicles, under the cab, uh, under the cab regulator's jurisdiction. The vote, by the way, was four to two. Now, the decision also means the electric carts need taxi permits to operate, which also means that they're hard to come by because there are none left. Ah. The electric vehicles also need waivers to qualify for the permits because they don't have features such as air conditioning that are required. <laughs> so even if these companies wanted to play by the rules, the arbitrary rules that these bureaucrats have set up, even if they wanted to play by the rules and get their... Okay, fine. So you're going to regulate us. All right, what do we have to do? Well, first of all, you can't be using the vehicles you're using. Oh, great. And you can't get a license, period. See, that, right. th- to me, this is, this is prime ground for a great lawsuit, a groundbreaking lawsuit. You think? Oh, absolutely. Well, can you afford the lawyer? Well, maybe a lawyer would take it because th- they can't even play if they want to. They're not being allowed to play. Wayne, these are established regulations. They've been in place for decades. They've never been challenged before. This isn't going to hold up in court. Well, it depends I, on the judge. But. It's, it's hard to say what, what's going to happen and what's not, but it the thing is, is that it's very difficult for a company to, you know, f- to, to find this free lawyer that's going to come out of heaven uh, for them or to pay somebody. Both of those things are arduous tasks. And, you know, 90 yep. something percent of the companies are not going to do it. And then the ones that do, you know, 50 percent are going to win and 50 percent are going to lose. So there you have 95 percent of the competition is stifled. And uh, what does it cost the bureaucrats who did it? Nothing. Nothing. Zilch. So if there is a problem, uh, you know, if somebody has a problem in the marketplace, they should put up an equal amount as the other person. It should be like, hey, look, I don't think that he should be interfering with my business. I'm going to put up 50,000. He puts up 50,000. We go to an arbitrator. The arbitrator can give the amount to, you know, split it up however they want. And that would be a far better way to solve this problem than some board of the Hillsboro whatever saying that oh, you can't you can't compete here. Wait till you hear what the business owner had to say, the guy that hired the attorney to persuade the board in his favor and get these guys pushed out of business. Uh, but first, we'll hear from Tim Ireland, the owner of Greenco, that had been operating one of the shuttle services that's since been put out of operation. He says, we're getting pushed out so the industry that's already there can do it. It seems there's collusion between the two, between the cab companies and the PTC. I say that because of what's going on. They don't listen to their own attorney. They listen to the attorney for the taxi cabs. Minardi, now this is the business owner of one of the existing cab companies that's benefiting from this, said he had no intention of eliminating competition. He merely wanted the commission to clarify the meaning of compensation. The shuttering of Green Go and three other businesses, Hop Tampa, Joyride, and Mulligans, was just a consequence of that ruling, he said. I thought they were a great little service, he said. Oh, he makes so, me sick. Yeah, right. So great, in fact, that the day after the commission's ruling, Minardi dropped off flyers promoting his free Green Fleet 
hybrid cars at Cafe Dufresne. The Harbor Island restaurant had been advertising with Hop Tampa prior to that. So one of the companies that he had uh, put out of business, he then went to one of their advertisers and, uh, you know, promoted himself to them. The owner of the cafe says he doesn't plan to refer his customers to Minardi's Green Fleet. He remains committed to the small he's electric... sickened. Right. He remains <laughs> the committed same way the, we are. The small companies. He says they're the pioneers that came in here. They made it work. I want to see how all of this pans out. And so there uh, I, you go. I have a pretty good idea how it's going to pan out. Yep. That's how it is. Oh, so that guy basically put his competition out of business using the government and then utilized their idea and essentially bought a hybrid car. So that way he wouldn't, you know, he'd be legal in that his car has air conditioning. That's it. There's so, your perfect example you of regulation. You can't provide somebody a ride in Hillsborough County, Florida, unless your vehicle has air conditioning. You can't even do it for free. I still think it's a great court case. I think this could—it's it, one of those cases that could go to the Supreme Court because if these companies want to play, they—they they can't because there's only so many licenses. This is the way the AMA works, by the way. Don't you think that? I mean, do you think that, it, that the taxi medallion hasn't been challenged up to this point? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But uh, what I'm saying is, the, for example, the American Medical Association does this. They're kind of a trade organization for doctors, and they actually limit the number of seats in medical schools right. to prevent too many doctors from being in the marketplace. And have they been challenged? I don't know. I, I don't know, Wayne. I hope you're right. I hope somebody does that, but it doesn't sound like it. Sounds like I wouldn't want to just... be the one to do it. I'm, I'm not saying I don't support them. I do support them, but right. I wouldn't want to be the one that has to, to kick out the dough for that. Uh... <laughs> These guys are upstarting uh, brand new companies. Maybe they just can't afford to do something like that. I, I mean, couldn't. Yeah, I certainly don't see attorneys jumping up to help these guys. And there's let's, plenty of attorneys out there. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they're all, you know, I don't know. I mean, let's, I, let's go to the phone. Smokey's in Alberta. You're on Free Talk Live. Smokey, what's on your mind here? We're uh, short on time. You've about, got about 30 seconds. What's on your mind? Okay, well, unfortunately, then um, I, I had a question about um, property uh, in New Hampshire and sure. where good spots would be to look at property that you, just blank land, not a house. I would like to build my own house, but I'd like to be a... Free State Project member and move on down there. Oh, that's great news. What I would recommend is that you go to uh, beangroup.com is a really good website. Also, there are some uh, lawyers, or not lawyers, but there are some real estate uh, folks. Mark Warden is uh, currently advertising with the show, and if you talk with Mark, he can definitely get you info on exactly what you are looking for. And I don't happen to have his contact information uh, with Mark, me. Mark Warden. No, no worries. I, I'm pretty sure I can find that. Okay, I, it is markwarden.com. Uh, We're being told it's markwarden.com, and his advertisements are uh, running in, I think, every other podcast. So you'll hear that uh, if you're listening online. Hey, thanks for the call. Look forward to seeing you in New Hampshire. We're done for tonight. Back tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. The Free Talk Live Mark Edge interview series continues, and uh, I, I, I scour the globe, or at least America, to bring... Well, interviews that I want to have for me, and today <laughs> I've uh, managed to get yet, yet another guy I'm a fan of is uh, Bob Schultz uh, from We the People. Bob, are you there? Yes, I am. Excellent. Hi, and, great to be with you tonight. Thank you. And we, Bob, we have Wayne sitting in tonight, so uh, if he chimes in, don't be surprised if there's another voice okay. in the line. Right, you got it. Okay. Wayne and Mark. Thank that's you. that's correct. So, um, Bob, you, I've, I've gotten, I'm, I'm on your email list, and I've gotten quite a few notifications of this Continental 
Congress thing that you're doing. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I, but I'm not a hundred percent clear on what it is. Can you tell me and then uh, the rest of our listeners what is the Continental Congress 09 that you're pushing right now? Well, what it is not, and it's important to uh, know that it is not a constitutional convention. They are two separate things. A constitutional convention concerns itself generally with amendments to the Constitution. We're not interested at all in amending the Constitution, but in defending the one we now have. This is a continental Congress, not a constitutional convention. Okay. And um, uh, let's see. We decided to take a page out of the Founders' playbook. Uh, they, we find themselves, ourselves in the same position they found themselves in in 1774, a full two years before they decided to separate and declare their independence. In 1774, they had 11 years. They had been petitioning the government for redress of their grievances. The government started treating the people here differently than they were treating the people back in Great Britain, beginning in 1763. They were, they began to violate their rights. So they, the folks petitioned. Their petitions were answered only with repeated injury, and that went on for 11 years. In 1774, they decided to get together to discuss their situation, these grievances, the fact that the government was not listening or responding at all, or if they were, you know, it was retaliation. And they needed to get together. They felt they needed to get together to discuss this and decide on some course of action that they might be able to engage in uh, that might uh, bring the government uh, to its senses, let's say. And so they uh, got together in September of 74 and uh, broke up in, uh, in October, deciding to reconvene in May of the next year. But it's interesting, uh, I would encourage your listeners to, go- uh, to Google something called the Articles of Association. Articles of Association. Continental Congress 1774 adopted these, um, very artfully uh, drawn. They profess their loyalty to the government over and over again, but also indicated you know, something has to be done. And so what they decided to do was impose economic sanctions on the government of their day, saying no more exports. They were calling on the people not to export anything um, to Great Britain and not to import anything from Great Britain until the government um, recognized uh, their rights and and, uh, ended these abuses. Now, how did that go? I mean, did did the the people by and large go along with it? That sounds like a voluntary kind of thing. It was voluntary. It uh, It was a course of action that they recommended the people engage in. And it started, and it started to grow and grow and uh, catch on. The the choice then, the government then had a choice. Either they were going to stand down and begin to um, treat the people here the same as they were treating their people back in Great Britain, or they were going to clamp down. And in April, we know they of 75, they clamped down. That's when the uh, troops marched on uh, through Lexington and Concord to seize the ammunition at the warehouse there and so forth. And um, and that was it. Things went downhill rapidly after that. The Continental Congress did reconvene in in May, as they said they would, to see how things were going and if stronger measures were required. And it was that Continental Congress, they still didn't break off from Great Britain, but they appointed uh, George Washington to go up there to Boston and lead these troops and so forth, uh, the militia. So here we are today. Um, Many people, the government is violating um, 
the Constitution. It's being violated. It's been violated for many years by many administrations, by every branch of the government, and by each party. And today we find these violations are increasing in number and severity. So is it any wonder that we suffer? Every one of these violations of the Constitution, for every violation, our nation is being undermined, our people compromised, our way and quality of life diminished, our society depraved and, and pauperized. And I can say with confidence that all of our national suffering today and distress would never have happened had our elected officials obeyed our Constitution. Consider, for instance, the, the, uh, just the following ten violations. We have a government that is, first, it's meddling in the internal affairs, choosing sides in other countries without any constitutional authority whatsoever. We have un two, we have undeclared wars in violation of the war powers clauses of Article 1 and 2. Three, we have government gifting and lending public money and credit to private corporations for decidedly private purposes, these bailouts, uh, without any constitutional authority whatsoever. Number four, we have a debt-based fiat currency system controlled by the Federal Reserve System, a cartel of private banks, all in violation of the money clauses of Article I of the Constitution. Five, we have a direct, we have the, the government has imposed a direct unapportioned taxes, tax on labor in violation of the tax clauses of Article I of the Constitution. Six, we have the uh, government invading our privacy and developing a police state certainly in violation of the privacy, the so-called privacy clauses of the Fourth Amendment. Yeah, they don't even listen to that thing anymore. Right, exactly. It all started with the USA Patriot Act and all of its progeny. No, it started Number before seven. that, but yes, yeah. uh, it's, uh, that's certainly, <laughs> certainly that a bad one. It, that kicked it into high gear, right. right. So, number uh, seven, we have unenforced immigration laws in violation of that mandate, plainly worded in Article Two of the Constitution, that requires the president to, quote, faithfully execute the laws. We have laws well, on the books passed by Congress that, you know, presidents for, for the chief law enforcement official, the president, for decades, they, they just don't enforce them. I don't know why. Maybe it's because nobody wants to offend the Latino vote. Who knows? But they don't enforce them. Well, they've got a, they've got a lot of laws on uh, a lot of laws on immigration, and, and admittedly, from what I can see in the Constitution, they do appear to uh, give the federal government, after I think it's eighteen sixteen or something like that, the ability to control immigration. Well, yes, but but um, and and according to the laws of Congress, so Congress passes laws. We're a nation under law, right? If they're on the books, yep. they need to. The president is to quote. He's required by Article Two of the Constitution not only to take an oath to defend the Constitution, but to, quote, faithfully execute the laws, all yep. of them. If we they're crappy. Like fine, repeal them, but as long as they're on the books, enforce them. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it, they're certainly arbitrary about which ones they decide to enforce and which ones they don't. However, I find the, uh, most of the immigration laws to be pretty crappy, and it's very difficult for good, hardworking people to get in this country, whereas the loafers seem to be able to slide in just very easily and quickly. Bob, speaking of the okay. Constitution, what do you think about this whole birther thing? Um... I'm getting to that. Okay. Number eight, the okay. next one. We have a president who refuses every request to provide evidence that he is a natural-born citizen, as Article Two of the Constitution requires. So he's just refused every request you know, to provide evidence of his eligibility. 
it, it does seem very odd. I, I, I just, I, mm. I'm not saying that I, I care really where the guy was, uh, was born. It's, it seems to me there's fascists born in every country, but, um, I, you know, I, it's, it's so odd. Why doesn't that, why doesn't he just end the controversy and, and get his legit looking birth certificate out? It, it's well, also strange that he spent supposedly about a million dollars defending himself so far in court against this, uh, these lawsuits. Yeah, but I would encourage you to read um, uh, the briefs and the material by attorney Leo D'Onofrio. Um, he, the natural born citizen clause of Article 2, the meaning of that has never been declared by any court in our entire history. So it's a first impression case, right? Okay. And so if absent the uh, Supreme Court weighing in uh, to determine the meaning of any provision of the Constitution, if the if the if, if we can't determine the meaning from the plain language, then we have to resort to uh, the uh, what the attorneys and the courts are referred to as the framers' intent approach to determining to determine the meaning. That means you look at the way the world was before those words were added to the Constitution. What was being said by the people who added them, and at the time, and then what was the world like afterwards? So Leo D'Onofrio, God bless him, I've read his brief, it's brilliant. He has uh, determined, he has interpreted the meaning of the Natural Born Citizen Clause by looking at the historical context and purpose, the original intent, and backing it up. And what he's determined is uh, um, to be a natural born citizen, there are two conditions that have to be satisfied. First, both of your parents have to be uh, U.S. citizens, and you have to be born on U.S. soil. His father w- was a Kenyan citizen. He admits that, and and um, that's in his book, and and it's it's well known. So even if he were to turn over information about, um, even if he were was born in Hawaii and made available his long form or his um, original birth certificate, which has the three signatures on it, the signature of. Um, the attending physician, the local registrar, and one of the two parents, as well as the name of the hospital where the birth occurred and the ages of the parents and the uh, 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 place of birth of the parents. All of that information is on, each of us has a, a one original of our birth certificate. It happens to be in a vault in the state where we were born. And, and all of this information I just mentioned is on that form. Well, he doesn't, he won't turn that over. But even if he did, and even if it showed he was born in Hawaii, which I doubt at this point, um, seriously, the evidence doesn't support that. But nonetheless, his parents, one of his parents was not a U.S. citizen, which means he's not eligible, period. And I think that's why, you know, he stalls and puts his foot out and steps on the hose and throws all these attorneys at every case and why the, he gets the courts you know, to cooperate with him in this collective decision to deny us our constitutional right to a president that is a natural-born citizen. Now, what's your opinion on John McCain? Because he wasn't born in the U.S., but he was born in a military base, I understand. No, that... he, was born in, he was born in Panama, and not on the base, but he was born in Panama, which means he was not eligible. This guy, D'Onofrio, um, he went to court. He sued the Secretary of State of New Jersey, asking that three people not be allowed on the ballot for president. Mr. Obama, because of what I just said, I mean, his, his, his investigation... His research showed both parents had to be U.S. citizens and they had to be born on U.S. soil. So he wanted three people removed from the ballot. Mr. Obama, 
John McCain, and there was a third guy on the ballot who was born in Nicaragua, and he was in this country with a green card, believe it or not. So, um, <laughs> just, some, just some random guy running for president kind of thing? That's right. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, we found out from all of this that none of the secretary, all the secretaries of state, they say, hey, it's not our job to, to vet these people to determine their eligibility. The Federal Election Commission has gone on record saying it's not our job. The DNC has said it's not our job. Well, it's our job, the people's job, you know, to defend the Constitution. It doesn't defend itself. It sits there. It sits on your desk. It sits on your, your shelf. It doesn't get defended unless we defend it. So here we have people like... Donald well, they've got a lot, of, a lot of these bureaucrats that are saying it's not their job, um, and in fact swore an oath to that Constitution. So I would argue, in fact, that it is their job, and they just are passing the buck, because that's what bureaucrats do best but and have done for centuries. Arbiters. Yes, you're right. But we're the, they, uh, they did take an oath, and so they, <clears throat> it is their job. <clears throat> but they don't. We That's can't correct. make them. So, so it doesn't, and the Constitution won't defend itself, and it's not going to get defended, frankly, unless we, the people, defend it. Number nine on these uh, violations. Number nine, the counting of our votes in secret, as all machines do, in violation of, we have a fundamental constitutional right, not only to vote, but to know, and the emphasis on the word know, to know that our votes are being accurately counted. That's a fundamental right. Well, how do you know your votes are being accurately counted if they're counted in secret? You can't know. No, you can't. And that's what happens when machines count votes. So we need to return to paper ballots, hand marked, hand counted. And our case um, against the uh, uh, four members of the uh, New York State Board of Elections, they've been sued in their individual and, and official capacities. And God bless the court and these judges here, in, in my case. It's two of us. I'm a plaintiff, and, and there's a fellow, I live in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. uh, in Washington County, and there's a um, fellow named John Liggett, who's a plaintiff, and he lives in, in Manhattan. And the two of us are the plaintiffs in this case. We've survived the government's motion to dismiss, and the uh, uh, judge has issued a, uh, 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 a scheduling order uh, ordering discovery and a jury trial. So we're in discovery now. The first Jeez. of these election integrity cases that has gone to discovery. So it's It's great. All right, but that's another violation. Number 10, the absence of well-regulated state militias and federal gun control laws that violate the Second Amendment of the Constitution would encourage your um, readers, your listeners, rather, to look at the Second Amendment. It, it says, in effect, that well-regulated state militias being essential to the security of a free state, therefore, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Sure, so and the absence... At the, the time absence, of those... Uh, at the time of those militias, uh, people kept their own arms. They provided their own own arms. Uh, sure. You know, citizens of the upper and middle classes, um, you know, ones that had means to provide themselves with arms, uh, were expected to, uh, you know, male citizens were expected to be members of the militia and, and to provide themselves their own weapons. So, therefore, the idea that you could somehow call you know the 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 right to bear arms a uh you know a, a right that only applies to militias doesn't really make sense considering the historical significance no no but the point is the absence right. of well-regulated state militias today is unconstitutional the constitution says so yeah. they are re they are essential to the security of a free state that's the way the second amendment begins and therefore because we have to have these militias well-regulated state militias therefore the the um, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh, what your uh, way back, every uh, colony they all had uh, well-regulated state militias. Everybody belong, every young 
man belonged to the militia. And, and think of um, Switzerland today. It's still the law. When you reach it, men and women reach a certain age, they are required to be trained on the use of firearms, and they are required to keep them at home. And that's why, you know, Hitler invading all these countries bypassed, you know, Switzerland. He wasn't going to go in there. Every house was armed, and they all know how to use it. And there was a lot of loot there, too, to, to, to steal. Yes. And so um, that's constitutional. Uh, Vieira has written a great book on this. But that's constitutional homeland security. We had that in this country. We'd be able to take care of any threat foreign or domestic, you know, uh, just by calling out, you know, the militia. Bob, what was, this, Bob, what was the title? This, uh, Department of Homeland Security that we now have. Yes? I'm sorry, Bob, what was the title of the Dr. Vieira book on this? Constitutional Security. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see, Constitutional Homeland Security. Ah. And there's a subtitle, but I forget what it is. But it is Constitutional Homeland Security. Just Google Edwin Vieira, Dr. Edwin Vieira. Um, and you'll find uh, his publications. Well, we actually, we like to use uh, startpage.com here at Free Talk Live. It's uh, completely private, and uh, the Google, that way Google isn't going to turn over any information to the government, as they've already done a little um, in some cases. Good for you. So mm-hmm. um, the, I wanted to ask, now, uh, the, as far as the, um, the Continental Convention goes, you know, you're going to address these ten issues. Right, Continental Congress. Yeah, let's Continental, get into that. I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, move right along here. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we've been petitioning. Uh, th- I can only speak, a lot of people have been doing this for years, okay, but I can only speak for what this foundation has been doing. Fourteen years ago, we, se- we knew this day would come. Fourteen years ago, we set out to build a record. Back then, in 1995, we sued the, the, the uh, government because the uh, President Clinton, the executive branch, uh, bailed out the Mexican peso to the tune of uh, $20 billion without any constitutional authority to do so, okay? Right. So we petitioned the judiciary for violation of the money clauses of the, of the Constitution. Um, a few years later, uh, we were bombing Kosovo without a declaration of war. Again, the president was usurping the power of Congress, and Congress was acquiescing. We petitioned the judiciary. And when we do this, we get the assistance of constitutional scholars. So these things are quite thorough, uh, very meticulous. And, and, uh, and so we petitioned the judiciary over the um, bombing of Kosovo. Uh, and then we went on from there. We've petitioned every member of con- the, the um, first the leaders of the two political branches, the um, uh, executive and, and uh, Congress, um, for um, the imposition of a direct unapportioned tax on labor. Every one of these viol- violations that I've mentioned earlier, we've petitioned the judici- the uh, all three branches repeatedly uh, for a redress or a remedy to these grievances. The result has always been the same. No answer. No answer. They refuse, you know, to, to listen uh, or, or respond. And, and uh, then what we decided to do was test the attitude of the judiciary. What we were doing was claim, the, um, I know I'm going to very quickly here, but the, the First Amendment has, this is important for folks, the, the First Amendment has five freedoms. It guarantees five freedoms. In the order that they're mentioned, it's worship, speech, press, assembly, and the right to petition for redress of grievances. The first four of those rights have been the subject matter of lots and lots of lawsuits. So with people, we know what the rights of the people are, and we know what the obligation of the government is under the uh, worship, speech, press, and assembly provisions of the First Amendment. The um, right to petition for redress of grievances, no court in our entire history had declared what those words mean. We know what they mean. Uh, we've done the, the uh, historical context and purpose approach from the Magna Carta on forward. We found that the founders put those words there 
we call it the accountability clause. It's the, there are two accountability clauses in the Constitution. The first one's in the First Amendment, the last ten words, the right to petition for redress of grievances, the right to petition the government for redress of grievances, and then the second uh, accountability clause is in the Second Amendment. Right. And it's designed so that if the First Amendment doesn't work, the Second Amendment will. And, and uh, so we've been claiming and exercising our rights to petition the government for redress of grievances, and we know from our historical review that government is obligated to respond. You can't make it, but they're obligated to. And if they don't, wow, uh, according to the historical, um, the thorough historical reviews of the right to petition done by two, uh, our review plus uh, uh, the historical review done by uh, a professor at Rutgers and a professor at Yale, two separate reviews, thorough historical reviews, if the government doesn't uh, respond, then what we have is a government that first is ignoring the Constitution, whether it's yes, the War Powers Clause or, or the, or the uh, Money Clauses or the Tax Clauses or the Privacy Clause, whatever it is. And then you call them on it. You petition for a remedy to that grievance. You claim and exercise your right guaranteed by the First Amendment. And then if they ignore you, whoa, we've got a government that is not the government we put in place. We put a government in, cl- in place to secure our rights. That principle is essential, and it's laid out plainly in the Charter, the, the Declaration of Independence. The, we we, it, we, we uh, institute government to secure our rights. Um, uh, not some of them, but all of them. And, and so if the government ignores the Constitution, then ignores the people and refuses to listen or respond to legal documents, which are called petitions for redress of grievances, then the people have the right of enforcement. They don't know that government anything. And that's they what the con- their support. And that's what the Continental Congress is going to be doing. We, um, we've got uh, about three more minutes here to wrap this up. Oh, okay, very quickly. So we decided, okay, uh, we've got a government that's ignoring the Constitution. We went to court to test the attitude of the judiciary. The judiciary, the lower courts ruled the government doesn't have to listen or respond. The Supreme Court said so. They cited two cases that, about public employees and on-the-job-related, employment-related grievances. They never argued the First Amendment right to petition. And, of course, uh, we're not public employees, and these are not on-the-job-related, employment-related grievances. Right, they so completely ducked it. Two, yeah, they ducked it completely. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And then we asked the Supreme Court to hear it, and they declined. You know, they said denied, of course. Well, why would they declare our rights to hold the government accountable, you know, and, and uh, the meaning of those ten words? All right, so that, it was then we decided we needed a Continental Congress and, and that we would have nominees, people with a passion for the Constitution, uh, three from each state. We've just finished that election. You go to uh, GiveMeLiberty.org, GiveMeLiberty.org. And you can either, um, there's a list of the states there. You can go right to your state, find out who your uh, delegates are going to be. We're going to have a Continental Congress. It's going to be at the Pheasant Run Conference Center in St. Charles, Illinois, 30 miles west of Chicago. Originally, uh, you'll find on the website, it was to start on the 8th. It's going to start on the 11th of November, run through the 22nd. And um, all of these uh, folks will be there. Every day they will be uh, deliberating, discussing uh, first, the money clauses uh, and the Constitution, the war power, the war, war and the Constitution, uh, taxes and the Constitution, um, privacy and the Constitution. Every day, another segment, another uh, provision of the Constitution, and they will be developing resolutions that will actually be instructions, so that they will be um, preparing a resolution to be delivered to the government, instructing them. Uh, to do certain things to get uh, back under the Constitution and to end or reverse these violations of the Constitution. And then, of course, they'll decide, most likely, uh, they won't do it all at once, but then they're going to probably decide uh, to reconvene in a few months to see 
How but that's going? They don't expect to, they don't, right, exactly. They don't expect to, uh, the Congress to, to uh, comply, but then they will recommend um, what the free people of this country need to do to force the government to comply with those resolutions. And I think there we'll probably be talking about economic sanctions. Well, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. And if people want to get involved, they can go to wethepeople.org. And, uh, well, no, no. Uh, yeah. Sorry. GiveMeLiberty.org. Sorry. <laughs> GiveMeLiberty.org. And from there, they can go uh, to Continental. There's a big button there. They can go to Continental Congress 2009, or they can go to uh, either of the two organizations, uh, the Foundation or, or the We the People Congress. Uh, but you start out at our landing page, which is GiveMeLiberty.org. Thank you very much. Bob Schultz from uh, GiveMeLiberty.org. <laughs> Stay well, fellas. Thank, Thank you, sir. sir.